Ladies and gentlemen, I want to, I want to welcome everybody to our umpteenth annual uh, Crested Butte News Candidates Forum. Uh, my name is Dennis Hall, and I will do my best to keep a lid on it. I want to remind everybody right at the get-go, there will be no personal attacks. I won't let it happen. I've been there before. And if somehow it gets under my radar, I'm sure my boss will be all over me to knock it off. I want to thank the Crested Butte News again for sponsoring uh, this, this uh, Candidates Forum. And I especially, of course, want to thank KBUT for broadcasting us to the universe. And I want to thank the Center for the Arts for hosting us. Uh, they've done it for a lot of years. It was a little weird coming in the side door, but somehow I found my way. Uh, first off tonight, um, I want to introduce Paul Hurd, who will speak to us about uh, question 5A on your ballot, which is the Crested Butte Fire Protection District uh, uh, proposed uh, tax. Paul? Good afternoon. I thought there would be a lot more people here, but um, I'll try to give you the abridged version of the presentation on the tax so you can get to the exciting part of tonight. Um, I'm here, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul Hurd. I've been associated with the fire district since 1989, first as a board member way back then, and then I became an EMT and served 15 years as a volunteer. And since I retired from that, I've been on the board, I don't know for how many more years, and I'm currently serving on the board. And I've, I've seen um, firsthand how the district has changed. And I, I suppose I should first thank Mark for giving us an opportunity to sit here and present this tonight. Um, it, it, for those of us involved in EMS and fire, it's very important that we uh, do our best to get this passed uh, come November. Um, and the first thing I'd like to point out, um, we're kind of reflecting in Crested Butte, what, which is a, a problem all across the country where emergency services has been in, in the decline with volunteers for the last, oh, probably very aggressively declining in the last five to seven years. But this started, oh, back probably around, I don't know, 2005 or two, 2008. We saw a real impact in 2010. Currently, we have less, 50% uh, less volunteers than we did in 2010. And um, it's, it's really been difficult to try to uh, get the call boards covered and uh, provide the service that we're used to. A long time ago, we, especially on EMS, we, we wanted to provide advanced life support on every call if needed. Um, and we've been able to do that, and now we're, we're concerned about the fact that we're, we're constantly uh, looking for volunteers. And um, we realized a, way, a while back that we're drifting toward a paid service. And we uh, started hiring, uh, we saw the writing on the wall around 2010, that that was a trend all over the country. And we hired our first full-time paramedic firefighter in 2013, and currently we have four paid paramedic firefighters. Um, we, with the increase in the tax that we're proposing, it gives us the flexibility to go ahead and, um, as, as right now we have a combined service, we still have very valuable volunteers. We're not trying to replace volunteer positions, but as things get busier, uh, employers are less apt to uh, let 
volunteers leave their jobs for uh, going on calls, we're seeing that become more of a problem with um, employers not being able to find help. And when they do, um, they're less inclined to let people leave to go fight fires or run ambulance calls as a volunteer. And um, so we're trying to build in that direction. And um, if, if this gets passed in, next month, we're not looking at going fully paid because the volunteers are very valuable to us right now. And they will be as long as we can get them to um, stay on the districts and, and uh, with fire and EMS. Um, but as they decline, and, and I, was, I saw it firsthand, and I'm one of those people that had to uh, retire sooner than I wanted to just because of circumstances, life circumstances. So um, as those people leave, we want to have the flexibility to go ahead and fill those positions. If we can't fill them with other volunteers, newcoming volunteers, um, we're realizing that we're going to have to go fully paid. Um, and th this uh, mill levy increase we're looking at is going to be 3.5 mills we're asking for. And uh, that will give us the flexibility to go ahead and move toward a fully paid service as it's required, not, not eliminating any positions by volunteers right now. Um, and uh, let's see, the, the cost to the public if, if this passes, um, you guys can do the math on the valuation of your homes, but for residential um, cost, if, for every $100,000 of valuation, it'll be $25 per year. So you guys can do the math on that uh, as far as the valuation on your residences. Uh, commercial, if, uh, for, for every $100,000, it'll be $102 a year. So that would be the cost to the public commercially and residentially. Um, and... It was a it was kind of a, a perfect storm, if you will, back in 2008 when we when the market uh, dropped out on the uh, the valuation. We lost 45 percent of the valuation um, after the 2008 uh, crash, um, and then even though the valuations have been coming back, it's only gotten up to we're still down 32 percent in valuation currently. So that's a big hit financially, um, and. As we move forward, uh, it's, not, it's not just about the volunteers and the paid services that we want to provide if we have to hire uh, paramedic firefighters, but some of the things that are also slated for um, what we're going to use that money for in the future is we actually have a deficit due to that, um, the loss of, excuse me, the loss of the valuation. We do have a deficit that we need to make up before we even think about utilizing any of the money for some of these projects. Um, so this will give us the flexibility to go ahead and uh, fully fund the ambulance service. And if, like I said earlier, we have four uh, paid firefighter paramedics right now, to fully staff our district, we would need a minimum of 10, which equates to an, an extra $450,000 annually to have a fully paid service. And that would be enough to cover people that go on vacation, illnesses, and that sort of thing. But at, at a minimum, we're looking at having to come up with $450,000 per year once we go fully funded um, for paramedic firefighters. Uh, we're also looking at um, building a, a triplex in the affordable neighborhood um, for volunteers or uh, paid staff as they come here to work 
if we have that, if we can get that built, we want to provide that for anybody who may be needing housing if they do move here for volunteers or, you know, firefighter or uh, fire district staff if they uh, need a place to live and want to work here. Um, let's see. Um, we're going to, we're anticipating hiring two additional medics prior to next ski season or through the winter. And, um, so I don't know whether anybody has any questions. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, and if, uh, if you have any questions that I don't feel comfortable answering, Mike Miller, our district managers down here, I can pass off any questions, but, um, I guess I can open it up to any kind of questions if anybody out there has any. No, like I mentioned, we're, we're only going to hire paramedic firefighters as the volunteers retire. We've got a couple that are most likely going to retire soon. So we're not, we're not going to utilize any of the money unless it's, until it's needed. So as volunteers go away and we can't find new volunteers, we'll go ahead and start working in that direction of hiring uh, paramedic firefighters to fill those slots. Do we have any other questions? Here's Sue. Thanks. Is that it? Um, no, I've got a little question for you, Paul. Um, as property values go up, the valuations go up, will that incorporate something like a cost of living increase to the people you're having to pay? Well, at, when, we do, when we do the annual budget, uh, we, do, we do build in cost of living increases for employees and staff, yes. Do we have any other questions? Roland. Hey, just really quick. What is the um, um, total amount that you want to bring in with this mill levy increase? I'm sorry? Year? What's the full amount per year that you're trying to bring in with this mill levy increase? If the mill levy passes, it will bring in a million, a million fifty-six thousand, roughly. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? If no more questions, vote yes on 5A, please. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, and now we'll hear from Jim Starr speaking to question 5A. No, I'm sorry, on question 2A, which is the excise tax on vacation rentals. Jim Starr. Thanks, Dennis. Um, also, thanks to the uh, to Mark and the newspaper for continuing to hold this forum. It's a very important thing to do for our community. My name is Jim Starr. I'm a former town council member, former town attorney, and Gunnison County Commissioner. I live in Crested Butte. I've been involved in trying to bring more affordable housing to our community for over 30 years. Mark asked me to speak uh, to explain ballot issue 2A this evening. The goal of our town councils over the years has been to retain at least 60% local residents within our community. This effort started in 1989 <clears throat> when all accessory dwellings were required to be deed restricted for long-term rental use in perpetuity. However, as of today, the median price of a North Valley home has risen 
to about nine, <coughs> pardon me, $912,000. Only 8.6% of our housing in the North End is deed restricted. Over 60% of Crested Butte homeowners have out-of-town residences. <coughs> Pardon me. And of those 60%, more than 50% of those houses are used for short-term rentals. In 1997, 43% of the housing in town was rented long-term. And by 2016, the percentage had dropped to 24%. This situation has obviously caused increased pressure on the Crested Butte affordable housing market. This housing situation has come about in large part because Crested Butte has never had a dedicated source of funding for affordable housing. Ballot issue 2A is submitted by the unanimous decision of our town council to remedy that problem. It would collect an excise tax of 5% on the price charged to any person for vacation rental within the town of Crested Butte. Monies collected would be used exclusively to fund affordable housing programs. The tax is expected to generate up to $325,000 in 2018. It would be imposed only on the rental of a house which is subject to paying residential property tax rates. It would not be imposed on bed and breakfasts or lodging facilities which pay approximately four times higher commercial taxes. If, the count, if a countywide funding source for affordable housing is approved in the future, the Crested Butte Town Council can reduce or repeal the excise tax. This tax, which would be paid by our visiting guests, is directly needed to provide workforce housing for the employees required to fill the many service jobs generated by the local vacation rental industry. The tax is indirectly needed to provide affordable housing for those who have been displaced by the significant loss <coughs> of long-term rentals due to conversion of houses to short-term rentals. Between 1997 and 2016, short-term rentals increased from 60 from 6% to 29% of our housing. The tax is also needed to help provide employee housing for the approximately 360 jobs in the county that went unfilled in August 2016 because of the lack of housing. That number was up from 190 just the year before. Many of these job openings were in Crested Butte. As a result of this housing shortage, the Gunnison Valley Needs Assessment, completed in November of 2016, identifies the need to provide at least 400 additional rental and ownership units over the next four years to house needed employees for existing jobs. No new jobs are included in that number. Already, over 800 employees regularly commute to Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte to work, taking time away from their families and creating more traffic on Highway 
135. Just as important as proposed dedicated source of funding is necessary to help Crested Butte maintain its character and local workforce. These are the individuals who volunteer for the many positions needed to keep our town vibrant and a real community. These are also the individuals who work for our public entities, the town, the fire district, etc. The passage of ballot issue 2A would create a dedicated source of funding which will be used to maximize the number of workers who can both work and live in Crested Butte. Passage of this measure would also help those citizens of Crested Butte who have lived, worked, and volunteered here over the years remain as our fellow citizens. Thank you, and now I guess I'll ask if there are any questions. You're listening to KBUT. We're bringing you a live broadcast uh, hello, of the Candidates here. Forum. Uh, what I'm curious about uh, directly is what this 5% excise tax would go to. Because um, kind of the way this goes is that, you know, these short-term rentals create a lot of um, inconvenience for the neighbors. You know, trash overflowing, not taking care of for bears, parking spaces, and all these things. So we have this excise tax that we're talking about, who, what is, which is going to cost these people who are short-terming more money, right? It's going to cost them more to make the money for the pleasure of being able to make the money in that way, right? But that doesn't actually actually satisfy anything for me, like for the neighbors. How does it make it better for us? So it seems to me if we had this excise tax, we would take some of that 5%, right, and put it somewhere, like to a community recreation center or to better roads, perhaps more trash cans or more available bathrooms. I don't know, but I also don't know where this 5% excess tax will go. Uh, the, the ordinance which, which uh, set forth the ballot issue says it would be used exclusively to fund affordable housing programs. And the reason for this is because of the direct impact that short-term rentals have on the affordable housing rentals in town and also because the additional service people that the vacation rentals uh, require a need for. And so those additional service people need to have housing as close to where they work as possible also. Jim, I'll ask you a question. Um, so I'm Chad with KBUT. Yep. In the town of Crested Butte, we're uh, almost out of space. The few lots that are still left aren't exactly affordable. So where will this money be used? Can it be used to purchase affordable units outside of the town? or is it just in town limits? There's no restriction on where it can be used. And in fact, I think the governmental entities in the last few years have come to realize that we get the biggest bang for our buck with affordable housing if we utilize a regional-wide effort, a county-wide effort, as opposed to just each municipality trying to go it on its own. Do we have any other questions? We have two down front. We'll go with Kathy first. Here. Uh, Kathy Steinberger, quick question. In addition to the 5%, do uh, renters of STR properties have other taxes they have to pay? 
They do. The tax rate for in-town short-term rentals is currently 13.4%, so this would take it to 18.4%. I'm told in a number of communities in the state uh, charge around 20% tax for their short-term rental markets. Uh, good evening, Elliot Stern. Jim, I didn't hear what entity uh, is gonna control the town council would control these funds. Is it because it would be a tax imposed only within Crested Butte. And so according to the ordinance and the ballot, it would be the town who would, who would spend those funds. This is Rob. Hi, Jim. I'm Rob Boyle. Um, I heard that this additional 5% is basically going to put the short-term rentals on the same uh, tax level that hotels and bed and breakfasts are already playing at, are paying at. Um, a lot of us feel that it's just not enough. Is there, is there other, other avenues for us to tax short-term rentals? Can the county do an additional tax? Can we, can we get to that 20% mark or, or even higher? The county cannot do it within this town or other municipalities. The housing authority initially thought they could do it and was proposing a short-term rental tax, but subsequently was informed by a different legal counsel that it's not possible to do it. The only way to increase the tax would be for the town council in the future to propose another ballot issue to do that. Do we have any additional questions? You guys are going pretty easy on Jim here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's see, at this time, I would like the candidates, please, to come up and take their seats, um, and we'll get started with, uh, with those guys. I want to remind everybody, no personal attacks uh, in this political climate. Sometimes that's difficult to remember, but uh, I will remember for sure. Uh, the second thing is, is please state your name before you ask a question, because we're on the radio. So come on up. You're listening to KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. We are bringing you a live broadcast of the Crested Butte Candidates Forum for the 2017 election, which is on November 7th. Uh, we have up until have now heard from uh, a couple of representatives of the town talking about two tax measures, 2A for short-term rentals uh, in the town of Crested Butte, 5% increase, a 3.5 mil levy increase for uh, that would fund Crested Butte Fire District. Chad Rich is on site at the candidates forum right now, and we're waiting for the candidates to take their seats. They're now going to be asked questions. Uh, excuse me, they're going to have 90 seconds for an intro, 60 seconds response to audience questions, and they'll also have a 60 second collection uh, conclusion. Let's go over to the Center for the Arts Crested Butte live right now. Please state their names before speaking into the microphone so our radio listening audience knows who you are. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you for coming and those on the radios for listening. And thank you for honoring me in the past for electing me to town council and three times for electing me as mayor. 
It has been, a, like I say, a great honor. Before I moved to town, or when I moved to town, I heard three or two phrases that I had never heard before coming from the Midwest. One was, growth must pay its own way. Um, back in the Midwest, they were just, bigger is better, bigger is better. Didn't make any sense at all. The second term I heard was quality of life. And those terms, those two ideas have come forth to me and really stuck with me over the years, how strong they are and how they shape our community. In quality of life, we need to make our town green and safe. It means to me we're stewards of the forest. It means to me we love recreation in the arts. And it means to me that money is not our prime motivation. There's a special spirit in Crested Butte that is learned and imbued in all of us. My opponents will be making wonderful promises. All politicians do. Can they deliver? I don't know and neither do you. You know what you will get from me. I've been around a long time. I'm not a one-issue person. You will get leadership, vision, and innovation I have brought to the table that has made Crested Butte a great place to play, to work, to live. I ask for your vote again, and I will deliver it for you. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. <clears throat> Next, we'd like to hear from Tracy Smith. Tracy? everyone. I know most of you. Well, I've been living here since 1978. It's my home. I've been working here all that time. I've never left. I'm just a working class guy making a modest pay. And I thrive pretty good at that pay. You know, I do okay. You don't need to make a lot of money in this town to thrive. I've witnessed a lot of growth in the 39 years of living here, good and bad. I want to see continued growth, a path of modest growth and responsible growth. Lastly, I want to make sure that Crested Butte stays a great place to work, live, raise your family, and enjoy life. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> Mr. Chris Ledoulis. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for those listening on KBUT and for those of you in the audience. <clears throat> Four years ago, I sat on the stage and told you why I was running for elected office, and those reasons really haven't changed. Um, I've loved this town since I came here in 99, and I feel incredibly lucky to be raising my family here. We're running a business, have a beautiful wife, to commute to work on my townie, and I want to protect really everything that I love about this town and what makes it so special for all of us and why it's in the values that make it such a great place to live. Tonight, you're going to hear, though, a lot about our growing pains. Uh, we have more people and visitors than ever. Prices are going up, there aren't enough places for people to live, and the jobs we have don't necessarily pay the rent. These are a very big deal, but CB is not alone. We're not the only towns facing these challenges, they're not impossible. And if we're proactive, work together, 
I believe that we can make a plan and follow it. I can lead our council to do this. Uh, as I've led other organizations and teams for over 25 years, both inside and outside the valley. And I want to get us all working together, focus on what's most important, what the big issues are, ask the right questions uh, for our community. And, and the big question really is, what's best for our community and the people who live here? So how do you choose a candidate? As Jim has said, there are a lot of us uh, here who don't have council experience, maybe a, um, just a handful who have council experience at all. But that doesn't bother me. And I don't think you should be concerned either because I think it creates an opportunity for new ideas, a fresh start. And it's about uh, not what we say, but what we'll do. And I believe that I will uh, be the right candidate for CB and our future. And I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. It should be noted, I think, that uh, uh, mayoral candidate Paul Merck is not among us tonight, um, nor is uh, council candidate uh, Lisa Merck with us tonight. So we'll go on to council, council candidates, uh, opening statements at this time, uh, continuing in the same direction. Um, please, Mr. Will Dujardin. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, you know, I really appreciate obviously the feel and uh, character of Crested Butte, uh, you know, moving here to, to ski and then cons consequently living here nine, nine more years. It really uh, put me in a place where I've been asking myself how I can help preserve that character and feel that we all appreciate, what we're going to be talking about a lot. Um, and, and for me, the biggest issue right now is affordable housing. And obviously, uh, a lot of candidates will harp on that as well. Um, you know, personally, I've been, I've been working construction jobs, painting jobs, waiting jobs, coaching, uh, doing what I can to, to live here, being financially responsible. And I, and I think if, we are, if we're really going to take affordable housing seriously, we can get more people uh, like myself, you know, trying to live out here and, and do these uh, myriad of jobs to, to keep staying here. Because um, obviously, affordable housing keeps locals in the valley and, and in town and protects our character of the town. You know, so hopefully um, I'm just gonna, we can take advantage of every opportunity we have to uh, increase our affordable housing. Um, you know, how are we gonna incentivize homeowners to rent to locals? How are we gonna make sure that, you know, the future opportunities we have for affordable housing will stay, you know, in local hands? Um, we've taken some good steps with the short-term rentals and, you know, this tax that it seems like we're all in favor of is, you know, we'll look at that in a year or two and, and consider, we should probably consider raising it even, um, and that'll go straight to affordable housing as we've talked about. Um, you know, and in general, I think it's important to keep the big picture in mind. I've intentionally put this protect our winners hat right here because, uh, you know, protecting our environment and trying to make our snowpack deeper. I'm oh, sorry, I see that sign. This is gonna be really important for me, and um, I hope you guys can vote for me. Thank you, Will. <laughs> All right, as we've been speaking, council uh, candidate Lisa Merck has uh, entered the room. Uh, so since she's next in line, we will ask her for an opening statement. Lisa? Oh, and Hi, here's uh, mayoral candidate Paul. I thought this um, started at 6 o'clock. Um, that's what it said in the paper and everything. But um, I'm Lisa Merck, and 
I'm running for town council. Um, just a little bit about my background. I've um, lived in Crested Butte for approximately 10 years off and on. Um, recently moved to Crested Butte in 2013. Um, from Mount Shasta, California, I have a married to Paul Merck, and I have four kids. We have a blended family, um, two uh, stepchildren that are 13 and 16, and a 26 and a 28-year-old, and two grandchildren. Um, I was in the Air Force for five years right after high school, and during that time, I did administration. Um, I was stationed at Fairchild Air Force Base in uh, Spokane, Washington, and Kadena uh, Air Force Base in Okinawa, Japan. And during that time, I just learned a lot of leadership and independence and um, just became highly organized. Um, after that, after I got out of the military, I um, got my master's degree in nursing and um, became an advanced practice nurse. I've opened um, two women's health clinics. The current clinic is here in Crested Butte at the four-way. And um, I specialize in obstetrics, gynecology, primary care, and midwifery, so just helping women of the community. Um, I'm, I'm a very hardworking, caring, compassionate person, a strong member of the community. I have volunteered for Search and Rescue, the Nordic Center, uh, the museum, um, and just multiple living journeys, uh, different organizations. Um, I'm running for town council for three reasons. My first reason is I feel like we need more of a balance on council with females and, and in politics in general. Um, my second reason is just over the past two years, I've learned a lot of information about um, town issues, um, being with my husband, getting more uh, ed educated on politics. I find it really intriguing. And the third reason is I just want to expand my knowledge and be informed. I feel like that I'd be a great asset to Crested Butte in serving on the, the council. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. Uh, next, we'll hear from Chris Haver, uh, uh, running for the council. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, yes, this is Chris Haver. I have uh, lived here 14 years. I bought a bed and breakfast, uh, Purple Mountain B&B on Gothic Avenue when I first moved out here and still run it. Many of you may know me through my family that lives here, my wife Molly and my son Porter who's in middle school, my parents Bay and Don Haver, and then my three siblings, Fletcher, Winnie, Megan, and her husband, Kyle Skinner. Over the years, I've spent some time working with Search and Rescue and doing the Gunnison uh, Partners Program. I have also helped uh, start and chair the Downtown Lodging Association. In the past, I have worked in management with the Charleston County Parks and Recreation as a wilderness leadership instructor, a high school teacher, in accounting and property management for a development company back east, and as an operations manager of an ecotourism company. I am running tonight, or I'm running, because I believe that I can offer clarity on issues through providing up-to-date information on what's going on, allow you to have a more effective, easy means 
of having a voice in our town government and to help you be part of determining Crested Butte's future. Uh, in doing this, it is my hope to use my website that I've created, CrestedButteLife.com. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Next, we'll hear from Councilman Jackson Petito. Thank you, Dennis. I can't deny that tourism is the industry that drives this town. I know off-seasons are tough, but I'm willing to bet there are more of you out there that know how to live with an off-season than there are that could live without one. Can you imagine walking out of here on October 22nd and heading up an Elk Avenue that looks like it does in July? Do you want that? I don't. I want to be very clear about this next part so that if I'm elected, it's not because people like me personally or know my last name. I don't think we should grow one more visitor or shorten off-season by one more hour until we make what we have today sustainable. If that's not the will of the town, I'm comfortable losing the election and getting my Monday nights back. I didn't live here in 2008 or 9, but I know the national economy will inevitably tank again. When it happens again, and it will, if, we're dri if we've driven all our residents out of town by making it too crowded and expensive in pursuit of every tourist cent we can grab during these good times, we'll be left with an empty shell, with no one to pour the drinks, bring the food, sell the t-shirts, or run the lifts. A town without residents. I don't want that. I want my kids to grow up in the same town I grew up in, but it's already too late for that. It's not too late for them to grow up in Crested Butte, and this is still the best town in the world for kids to grow up in. I just want to make sure it stays that way. Thank you. Thank you, Jackson. Now I'll hear from council candidate, Mr. Kent Cowherd. Hello, Crested Butte. My name is Kent Cowherd. I've been a resident of Crested Butte since 1990 when I moved here after getting my architecture degree at the University of Florida. I'm running for town council out of a sense of civil obligation to give back to this town that has given me a happy and a successful life in this special place. I'm uniquely qualified to serve you as a council person with my background as a professional architect and former Crested Butte volunteer firefighter, as a business owner and employer, and as someone who loves our small town lifestyle and close contact with nature. I've worked dozens of different jobs during my nearly 30 years of living here in the Upper Valley. Those jobs and experiences give me a balanced perspective about issues facing our hometown. I also have decades of experience with our local regulatory processes, and I think both creatively and critically. I'm especially interested in promoting affordable housing opportunities for ownership in town. I am building my own house in the affordable, affordable zone here in town, and I also had the opportunity to design affordable housing for both the town of Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte. I think providing affordable housing through ownership is the best way to ensure that our town maintains its sense of community by allowing locals to live and work here long term. A town lived in by locals is a town that thrives with the local friendly connection that separates us from other Colorado mountain towns. I would also like to see rental opportunities for those of our community who earn lower incomes and who contribute to making our lives here possible. I already know many of you and hope to meet many more of you in the coming days. I look forward to the chance to serve as your voice and conduit on the town council and to implement the desires and concerns of the Crested Butte community. Thank, Thank you, you, Kent. Thank you very much. Now we'll hear from council candidate Candace Bradley. 
My name is Candace Bradley, and I would like to take an opportunity to tell you a little about myself and what the future of Crested Butte looks like to me. I was born in Torrington, Wyoming. I lived there until I was nine years old, and my mother moved my two brothers and I to Laramie. We lived on a hill overlooking a trailer park just past the cement factory. I came out when I was 14 years old, and my family all but disowned me. The state put me in a home for children where I stayed until I graduated high school. I got a job at a bagel shop and planned my future of self-finance community college classes. Then, a couple months later, Matthew Shepard was murdered and changed the course of my life. I was terrified. I was sure that I would die in a town that made it clear to me on a daily basis that I was unwelcome. I fled to Colorado and struggled to find my voice in music, art, writing, and myriad forms of self-expression. It took me a long road and many years to arrive here in an open, welcoming town in possession of my unique voice. Using my voice and my life experience, I can tell you that it is my intention to listen to everyone in this community because each of our journeys and opinions are valid and make up the fabric of Crested Butte. Edward Abbey said growth for the sake of growth is the ideology of the cancer cell. Unchecked, ungoverned, and unsupported growth can tear at the unique fabric of Crested Butte. Thank you. Thank you, Candace. Now we'll hear from council candidate Richard Mockamel. Good evening. For those of you who don't know, who don't know me, I'm Richard Mockamel. I'm a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm a veteran to the, of the U.S. Air Force, husband to Kim, father to Nicholas, Christian, proud American, and I'm a small business owner. We own Nikki's Mini Donuts. I'm very excited to be running for town council, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to do so. Uh, we moved here from Houston about three years ago because Kim and I wanted Nicholas to be raised in a family environment, wanted him to go outside and play, ride his bike, and Kim and I wanted to be able to meet new people. We found that here in Crested Butte, and we literally sold everything we had in Houston to make that journey here. We we're 100% committed. This is why I felt it was important for me to run for town council, because I want to maintain what we have. There are a lot of changes happening, and a lot of big decisions that need to be made, and we all need to make those decisions together. If I'm elected to town council, I'm going to work hard on affordable housing. I want to be a voice for the business community. I want to encourage more public input. And most importantly, I want to be able to hear what your opinions are. I believe in hard work, character, and integrity. Uh, there will be many questions for us tonight on a lot of current issues, but what I think is most important is not a particular view on one particular issue. However, what that person is going to represent for the town and the public on all issues. Uh, will that person's gonna work hard? Uh, will they maintain integrity and follow through? And will they listen to your opinions? That's what I plan on doing, and I appreciate everything. Thank you very much, Richard. The last uh, council candidate we'll hear from is Mr. Kyle Squirrel Ryan. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kyle Ryan, but my friends all call me Squirrel, as they have since my cousin gave me that nickname as a teenager. I'd like to thank everyone here and everyone tuned into KBUT tonight for practicing their civil due diligence and researching their candidates uh, as we go into this election cycle. 
in a, in a national political climate that is often very divisive, um, I feel it's very important that we come together as neighbors, as a community, and discuss about our problems, our concerns, um, as we move forward together. For those of you who may not know me personally, uh, I've been living in the Valley for 10 years. This will be my 11th winter. Um, I'm a designer, a uh, draftsman. Um, I have uh, been involved with many uh, volunteer organizations here in town. Um, before I moved here, before I ever even saw this place melted out in the summertime, I was coming and spending every vacation day I had visiting friends and skiing the steeps. While I was falling in love with that mountain, I was also falling in love with this community and with this town. The friendships that I made have lasted well beyond my time of even living here. Um, I, am, I am here in this room tonight for those people, for the people who when asked what they do at a dinner party, answer mountain biking, backcountry, tally, instead of nurse, doctor, or lawyer. So I look forward to hopefully serving you guys uh, moving forward as a community council member. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Squirrel. And while we were talking, uh, mayoral candidate uh, Paul Merck uh, uh, entered the venue. So Paul, would you please uh, give uh, your, what is it, one and a half minute uh, 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 introduction. You bet, Dennis. Um, my name is Paul Merck, and I'm running for mayor of Crest Butte, currently sitting on the town council, and will be regardless of the outcome of the election. Um, I'm excited about uh, the, the people that are here and how much their willingness to sit up here. It's not a great place sometimes to sit. Um, so I uh, employ you to uh, um, do your homework, stick with your homework, and keep these people involved in what you do. Um, I have done that in the last two years and, and, and most of my time here in Crested Butte. Um, I moved here in 89 after uh, some military service as a first lieutenant in the Army. Um, I moved here and started working as an engineer in the wilderness areas uh, uh, between here and Aspen for about four or five years, while in the winter working as ski patrol and ski school, a certified tele um, instructor. But why I'm here tonight is to engage everyone out there to stay involved. Stay involved. Call me. Text me email me, and not just me, but the others here who are either elected or not elected, because I don't think they're going to quit. It looks like everybody up here is dedicated to stick with Crest Butte, and I know everybody out there is dedicated to stick with Crest Butte, so let's stay in it for the long haul, okay? Thank you, Paul. All right, we're going to open up for questions. Uh, normally, I start out with a few questions, but I won't take the time tonight since there's so many candidates. But I do have a few thoughts on the issues that will come up, and I bet anything that you guys ask these questions. Um, my concerns will be, as we've already articulated, affordable housing, short-term rentals and VRBOs, the over-marketing, crowding and, of Crested Butte and the environs. And I would like to encourage 
people to, uh, to vote because given that 46% of Americans did not vote in the national elections in 2016, I think that's shameful. Uh, again, I want to remind everyone that we, I will not tolerate personal attacks up here. Again, uh, we are on the radio, so please state your name before uh, you, you, you pose your question. Chad will be running around like a chicken with his head cut off uh, to try to get your uh, question. So, go for it. Questions. We've got the first question. Okay, no questions. No one, huh? We can go home. <laughs> You're listening to KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. We are bringing you a live broadcast of the community candidates forum in Crested Butte. It's such a valuable thing to have options. So really appreciate all of you for that. Um, my question is about what I consider the most daunting issue of our time and uh, the fact that we're lacking any sort of national leadership on it. And I want to know what each of you is going to do to bring some solutions to this if you're elected. And that's the issue of climate change. How are you gonna advance renewable energy, alternative energy? How are you gonna advance protecting our winners like Will said in his opening speech um, if you're elected to the Crested Butte Town Council? What are your actual solutions? Thanks. You want that from all the candidates? All the candidates, who wants to start and I'll try to keep track of. And please state your name as you begin your response. Thank Jim, you. Jim Schmidt wants to start this, out. This is Jim Schmidt. Uh, several things I've uh, pushed the last several years. We have uh, some uh, solar panels at the, uh, the sewer plant. And I think it's very important that the town buy as many of those as possible and try to produce, eventually produce all the electricity that the towns use by, uh, through solar or uh, other means. I think it's imperative that we uh, continue to push GCEA to develop uh, Taylor uh, Dam into a uh, electric power plant there. Uh, we, 30 seconds, okay. We have um, done a lot of things through the town, a lot more electric, electric vehicles, including we're going to have two electric motorcycles this year for the police to use to uh, cut down... Um, but I think the other thing is to take a, a voice. If we are not saying anything to the federal government, who is? The town needs to speak up, and I know the town, and sometimes in the past, people have felt it wasn't appropriate. But I think it's very appropriate that we speak up about this. It's okay with everybody. I'm just going to move on down the line. Tracy Smith, would you please speak to that? Tracy Smith, I think we need to lead by example this whole community like you have been doing. We're all into, you know, solar and things like that already. But all of us have to lead this community into the future so other people see what we're doing because they, they look at us real hard from out to in. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Chris Ledoulas? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> thank you for the question, Jeremy. I think uh, it's a significant global issue. And when you want to change the world, you have to start close to home. And it's what you do on a daily basis. And we are going to be measured by our actions over time and what have we done. And I think that the council has done a series of actions. Um, and over time, yes, we have brought in new 
electric bikes, we have uh, supported solar panels, but we also have an energy action plan and we have a number of things that we can be doing on a regular basis to systematically chip away at this. And I think that we can do more and we just need to keep uh, awareness up. And as Tracy has said, we need to lead by example. And sometimes our most effective impact is how we communicate and educate people that this is important and what they can do personally. Thank you, Chris. Um, Paul Merck, please. Uh, yes, um, we're doing a lot in town already just to realize that uh, you know we need to make our facilities, all the ones we own here, more effective, more efficient. And in, in the county, we are working together to make low-income houses uh, easier to live in by um, trying to bring the OR program back in, the Office of Resource Efficiencies. We work uh, hard with Cole Harbor down in uh, Gunnison also, who is trying to educate through the MIMS program. That's the Master's in Environmental Management program. So we, we'd like to uh, employ everybody out there. If you've got ideas you see from other communities, please bring them in. We're a small community. We're very educated in what we need to do is bring these uh, these resources together, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Will Dujardin. Yeah, thanks, Dennis, and uh, thanks, Jeremy, for the question. Um, you know, guys, I really think we need to try everything possible. I really appreciate what some of the other candidates have said so far, you know, looking at things like solar panels on every government building, and affordable housing that's you know sponsored by the town are options we should look at. Obviously, the electric vehicles, you know, can help us. We just need to be working towards 100% renewable energy as fast as possible. Um, and you know, I also appreciate um, Jim talking about how we, we should be joining the national discussion because uh, you know our, the the administration clearly wants to make money over protecting the planet and. Uh, we're kind of on the front lines out here uh, in Colorado, so uh, we need to really do our best to fight climate change and, and affect that in town. Thanks, Will. Um, next, Lisa Merck, please. Um, I agree with um, the other council uh, candidates and uh, the people that are running for council and mayor as well. Um, I believe in uh, using public transportation, solar, electric cars, electric bikes, um, walking to work, um, just getting help out there and trying to just be the best stewards of our community. Thank you, Lisa. Next, uh, Mr. Chris Haver. Yes, I think this is important to most of us in this town. Uh, it's kind of part of the cool thing about this community. Uh, I would like to see this as part of our master plan as a town. Um, it is important enough that we stay focused on it as we move forward, and that is why I really want a master plan, so that we keep ourselves focused as we make new policies uh, and decisions on equipment and such. There is a program going on right now that's uh, composting in the valley, which I think is fantastic. But in talking with her, she's even expanding it to restaurants and hoping to do post-consumer uh, foods after the leftovers are done with and being able to take those back to the farms. And programs like that by locals, I'd love to support and push and just bring innovation to our valley that way. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Mr. Jackson, Petito, please. Uh, I'm proud of, you know, 
you get on council, you learn a lot that you didn't know just being on the inside. So I've been proud to just see uh, the town switch all the electricity that we pay for in all our buildings, I think including this one, to 100% renewable. It's just a little bit more per kilowatt hour and we did it and it was an easy vote, yes, for all of us. Uh, we had some money set aside for a staff vehicle and I think it was the staff, but the council certainly blessed it. They decided instead to use it on four bikes. I thought that was awesome. Uh, the sad fact is the best thing that we could do for climate is leave this area and live somewhere that doesn't require heat all the time. But since that's not going to happen, we love it here so much, uh, you know, we got to work on sealing up our houses and making everything very efficient. Um, you also got to work on living where you work if you can. That's hard when you work in Crested Butte and you can't afford to live here, but the affordable housing push is part of that. Uh, also, use transit when you can. I know it's you can't use it always, but when you can use it, I use the old Shoe Leather Express as much as I can. And uh, just for people who object to stuff like this, just know that the loss of snowpack affects all our wallets because people are going to stop coming here if we don't get snow. And uh, so there's the greedy reason to just keep us from heating up the earth any more than necessary. It's already too late for the polar bears, unfortunately, but uh, we got to do our best and. I'm proud of all the people around, especially in this town, who do that all the time. Thank you, Jackson. Mr. Kent Cowherd. Thank you. The town needs to continue to be a good steward of our national forest. Uh, our council already has a, a very good uh, attitude towards continuing this, and you could see that with our electric vehicles that the town has for our maintenance <clears throat> department. As Jim mentioned, uh, we're going to have a couple of new electric motorcycles. Um, we need to promote more bus use and pedestrians, bicycling. Um, all our affordable housing uh, buildings need to be energy efficient and tight. Uh, last December, the 2015 building code was adopted in town and it really stepped up our building envelope performance. So we are a lot more efficient that way, uh, having sustainable building practices. We also, just as a town, we share with our visitors everything already. We need to share our attitude of climate change and how precious and, and uh, important that is for all of us. And to share that with our visitors is important as well. Thank you. Thanks, Kent. Candace Bradley, please. I'm Candace Bradley, and I think that, like Chris said, a master plan is is needed in the valley to ensure that we can um, cover as much uh, sustainable options available. Uh, solar and even using uh, reusable wares such as sustainable CB is, is wonderful and perfect and something that I would never have considered you know, two weeks ago if I didn't know about it. Um, and I think education is key and telling people and pushing them towards transit so they're not driving down from the mountain in every car that they own is, is something that we really need to do. Thank you. Thank you, Candace. Richard Machamel. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's important and it's essential that we attack this issue and uh, address it appropriately. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do, solar power, renewable energy, all, all that's very important. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I don't know enough, I'm not an engineer, to figure out the proper way to handle it from here going forward. And so what I would do is reach out to people who do know and come out with plans and um, like 
Chris Haver mentioned, is a master plan and, and really make sure that we have our eyes focused on what we're going to be in two, three, four years from now, 10 years from now. And so that way, when my son grows up, uh, he still has a place the way it is today. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. And finally, Mr. Kyle Squirrel Ryan. Thank you for the question, Jeremy. Um, I think it's important to remember uh, back in the Bernholtz era of town council, he made some very significant strides and pushes and to lead by example and to make uh, Crested Butte part of the national discussion when it comes to climate change. Um, from that, we have developed everything that we've talked about here tonight, whether it's solar panels on roofs, electric vehicles for town use, or the adoption of the 2015 building codes. Um, these are all things that have moved us forward in the discussion, but I feel that it's important to stay on top of the, in, of the national aspect of it and to be involved in that discussion as leaders. Thanks, Squirrel. All right, we'll take another question from the audience. We'll go with David. Hi, Dave Rothman. Um, two words, Brush Creek, attitudes and potential uh, paths of action. This is when it's gonna get difficult. Who wants it? Start in the middle. Start in the middle, okay. I see Kent Cowherd wants to talk to it. Thanks, Dennis. This is an important question facing our, our community. Um, I've been involved in uh, doing my own research and looking through the Gunnison County LUR, the Gunnison Valley Housing Needs Assessment, and all the information that's been offered by the Brush Creek uh, proponent. Uh, I believe the project uh, is difficult as proposed for all of us. The three concerns I have uh, with the proposal right now are that it's compatibility. The LUR describes compatibility as use, size, density, and one more thing I can't think of right now. Use, size, density, and scale, scale of the overall project. Uh, so that there's some challenges with what, I, what we're seeing from the proponent with the, regarding those compatibility criteria. <clears throat> there's also a difficulty that I see in the Gunnison Valley Housing Needs Assessment uh, in the strategies that are offered for promoting affordable housing for low to middle income families. I'm wondering if the AMI that is proposed, the AMI charts that are proposed by the proponent really solve the lower to middle income uh, challenges offered by this project. Thanks, Kent. Thank you. Who else wants to touch on the two words? Chris Ladoulis. Yeah, the Brush Creek parcel, as proposed, is to solve an affordable housing problem. Um, the issue I've had with it are twofold. It's really the process we've uh, followed to get where we are, and then whether this parcel and the project really solves for that problem. Uh, first is the process. This is a, this is a parcel that was uh, brought together by four different parties 20 years ago for the future use and solving affordable housing and parking as envisioned at the time. It's gotten into an LUR process, which is a very specific uh, means of evaluating a proposal that has already met some initial understanding of um, our objective. 
And I don't think we yet agree on that. And I think one of the reasons this is such a hot topic for many is that the affordable housing problem needs to be solved in many different ways, in many different places. We need people to live where they work and work where they live. And right now, the Brush Creek parcel is several miles from any of the jobs. And we're looking for ways, potentially, to uh, find how this fits in to an overall strategic housing plan as suggested by the housing assessment. Thanks, Chris. Who else would like to speak to this? Uh, uh, Jim Schmidt. A um, couple things. First of all, uh, I was on the council when we bought that parcel a long time ago, and we bought it to stockpile some land for housing and for possibly parking, and I think it was a wise move at the time, and I still think it was. Uh, it came to us at a very reasonable price, uh, very inexpensive. Uh, I'm very disappointed in the, in the process the county has gone through. It's a completely backward process. We should have had a review by the community and say what we want out there uh, before it leapt into this LUR process. Um, what's maybe most uh, disappointing is this push for the early sale. The uh, county and the proponent want to purchase the property now, even before they've gone through the LUR. Uh, it's just incomprehensible to me why they need to do that. Uh, in fact, I think it should be a lease project instead of a for sale project. Um, the county has called us uh, disrespectful of the LUR, called us the, the town council, disrespectful of the LUR process. I will be very disrespectful of that if the county doesn't respect the voice of the people at this end of the valley who has come out very strong. Um, you know, the other day we had uh, a couple hundred people here. I heard just one or two uh, comments to approve it and a whole bunch to say no. Thank you, Mr. Smith. For those of you who don't know what LUR means, it's a county process called the uh, Gunnison County Land Use Resolution. It's the process by which the county adjudicates all kinds of different land uses. Who wants it? Tracy Smith. Yes, Tracy Smith here again. And as I wrote in the paper already, is I'm quite a bit against this. This land was earmarked for parking but I would be okay with it being deed restricted only. I would open up a couple of lots for um, open market to create some funds for the infrastructure. But this is not the first time the county has done this to us, okay? We've had plenty of affordable housing projects that have just been bought off by, you know, people that buy things like that. You know what I'm talking about. So I think there's a way better approach for us as a community to uh, take charge on this. Don't let this happen. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, Chris Haver. Uh, to be real quick, I, I am under the uh, belief that it's too much in that spot, that number of housing. Uh, it's the size of Mount Crested Butte, 600, 800 people. I think this is a concern of many people. Uh, I agree with everyone that it needs to be spread out through our valley. 
Uh, we will need this housing, but we're a valley that we all live together no matter uh, your economic level. So that's kind of what makes Crested Butte so cool. Um, so I'd like to see that uh, numbers drop. And I'd also like to kind of remind county that, uh, or us as we're looking at this, that we will eventually need parking outside of town, uh, kind of as a park and ride. Eventually we're talking about town uh, paid parking and such as, as our numbers come. So we're gonna need a park and ride system for the lower valley to use. Uh, it'd be much better if it was outside of town and thus could be free parking. Just my thoughts. Thank you, Chris. Paul Merck. Um, I'm agreeing with what Chris is saying here. He, he's making a good point. Um, I think what we're missing too, though, is a, uh, a company did come to a local real estate agent and ask, where is some property that I can build housing? And this uh, property had been asleep for some time. And he came to the county and said, um, I'd like to make a proposal to build houses. I see you have a need. So what we need to do now is don't leave the table. Stay at the table. Stay involved. Keep working on this. We, we sometimes get our, our heels dug in and say, hey, we really don't want this. But we need to stay involved and help shape how this is going to work out. I, I do believe it was named the parking lot pro, uh, property for a reason. It was supposed to be, like Jim said, more of a, a transit area. And if affordable housing comes through, like Tracy's talking, that, that, that would work as well. And uh, the numbers is changing a lot here. We need to stay involved and stay at the table, okay? Thank you, Paul. S Squirrel. Kyle Ryan, please. Kyle Squirrel Ryan. Um, I see a couple of main issues with, with it. While Brush Creek does provide the housing that we will most certainly need in the future, there's a couple of very distinct questions that have not been asked or answered. Um, mainly the parking lot. Uh, I feel that at one point in time we had a town council that felt it important enough to enter into a purchase agreement to set aside a parking lot when in the future, it's gonna cost you $20 a day to park at the mountain, $15 a day to park in town, so where is, are the people from CB South gonna park? Um, I think that's a very real question and a very real problem that we are about to face. Uh, I also see a greater demand in our services, be that a, a fire department that is struggling to get volunteers or a school that is already built out to its maximum. Um, so I consider the fact that we need to look more inclusive and, and down the line for all of what this Brush Creek development means and not just in terms of bed space. Thank you, Squirrel. Who else? Uh, Jackson Petito. Uh, I share all the process concerns expressed and the density concerns. The housing need assessment said we need 420 affordable units. If we're building 240 units, I think we should build 240 affordable units, not 156 many of which are only affordable under a questionable standard. I prefer a proposal from a developer with the financial patience to make their money back by collecting it all in affordable housing rent, and I, I like the idea of affordable housing being spread throughout the community a lot better than just stuck in one place. Thanks, Jackson. Lisa Merck, please. Um, 
kind of what I've been uh, learning through this process and hearing is that some people are for the project and some people are against the project. And I definitely think that we need more ownership opportunity. We need more rental units as well in the valley, but I think that it could be spread out. It could be a little bit more uh, dispersed between um, the entire valley. Um, after reading the, the housing needs assessment that we have, it sounds like we need to build 240 more units until um, 2020 is what um, was proposed. So that's quite a, a bit of units. Um, I think the project is very dense. Um, but I do believe that if we all work together and just keep coming to the meetings and um, just stay involved, that we can all work together. Thank you, Lisa. Will Dujardin. Yeah, Will Dujardin here. Um, I went to that meeting on, on Friday with the county and uh, Gates Co. did a, you know, there was, it was obviously like a really nice job and presentation, but, uh, you know, they, they explained why we needed affordable housing and they made it look all super nice, but, um, Obviously, we need affordable housing, but we also don't need it rammed down our throats by the county. Um, you know, looking at, at the units there, uh, it, there needs to be a path to ownership. I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous that, that we, we don't have those options. And then also, you know, maybe look at all of the units being for affordable housing as opposed to having market value um, units, you know, maybe something like 60 percent rentals, 40 percent path to home ownership. Um, that stuff's really crucial for me. Uh, I, do, I do sympathize with like the it's too big and, and too dense concern and it's kind of like too much for our town right now as we're also dealing with uh, a school that's at capacity. But I don't really sympathize as much with the NIMBY concerns um, because if it's reduced by a third or a half, you know, it feels like a lot of those people who are against it in the area will still be against it. And uh, I do feel like anybody who says there will be a ghetto on Brush Creek, needs to look up the definition of classism. Thank you, Will. Uh, Candace Bradley, please. Yeah, uh, about Brush Creek, I think that the thing that concerns me the most is the impact to that section is going to be out of this world. You're gonna have traffic concerns. You're also going to have a waste management concern right next to 135, which I think is very questionable. Um, I think that overall it's too big and it's, it's, not, it's not what we need. Thank you, Candace. Richard Makamel. Well, we all know we need affordable housing. It seems like everybody on this panel agrees, uh, you know, pretty much all the same. So, but how do we get to that point? I think this is too much in one little space. And uh, so I do agree with that. And I also agree that the fact that it's too much rental, uh, we need to have, have homes or condos or something that people can actually purchase. And so they're not just here for one season or for one year, they're here longer term, um, like all of us are. You know, it's a bigger commitment to purchase than it is to rent. And so I think spreading it out throughout the valley makes a lot more sense. And it'll definitely help with uh, traffic congestion and and all the other stuff that's going to come along with this. Is there anyone else on the, of the candidates who haven't spoken who want to speak? Okay, let's go on to another question. Here we go. This is KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. Hi everybody, I'm Cassidy. I'm a full-time resident here, and I have many questions, but I want to direct this one specifically towards the mayor candidates, and it has to do with what another councilman candidate brought up early. Um, he emphasized 
the need to control the growth of this town. So do you all believe in a development cap? And how do we know when we've reached that cap? And what will you do as a mayor to control and keep in mind the needs of everybody in the community, as well as those that want to move here? How will you control that growth and development? It's such a beautiful place we live in. Of course, people are gonna wanna live here for the rest of the time that this world exists. So how will you deal with that? Thank you. Thank you, Cassidy. To the mayoral candidates, who wants it? Uh, Paul Merck. Uh, yeah, very good question, thank you. Um, unfortunately um, for the world, the population has always been one of the biggest issues uh, and the cause of most of the problems. Uh, if we had fewer people and fewer ideas sometimes. Um, right now, we're dealing with a lot of growth coming in property is not owned by Crested Butte. We've done a really good job of holding our town to a tight, small area, but the county is growing in around us, and the needs of, of the town to, to provide parks, to provide schools, is has made it very difficult to to answer your question it, it really is and and uh we will be built out in this town hopefully there'll be a little more density to, to some of the um lots that we still have left to give people opportunity to live within town but as you see all around us we're having development and um just below us um with the parcel we were just talking about and and with the uh, Cypress uh, development, that's quite a few units right on top of us. Um, this is going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of discussion to, to bring caps to this. But thanks for your question. Thank you, Paul. Chris Ledoulis. Thank you, Cassidy, for the question. Um, you know, I think growth in this valley has to be managed. And while we have a small footprint, and we can't build within the town limits, it just makes it all the more important that we start to look outside our borders somewhat and we get much more actively involved and participate in the LUR process, what county is doing and what the needs are for housing workers and in particular, uh, what's going on in the town of Mount Crested Butte. And I think that we have to work together with them. And sometimes we, you know, you'll hear sometimes that we have been the land of no and we, we piss off county and Mount Crested Butte over the years. Um, and sometimes, yeah, we have, to do, we have to do what is required to protect our own interests, but we also need to be willing to sit down and talk with our partners. Uh, we, we cannot control this growth ourselves, but we can influence it. And we have to meet regularly with county. We have to figure out and uh, determine what our common interests are because we all agree we have more to agree on than we have to disagree on, and we all believe this is a beautiful community that we don't want to screw up. And I think that's, um, that's something that I would like to work on pretty aggressively. Thank you, Chris. Tracy. Let's see what I want to say here. I'll go to Jim next, please. All right, uh, Mr. Jim Schmidt. Okay, this is Jim Schmidt. Um, first of all, I'd like to, thanks for the question. Uh, the town of Crestview has the most aggressive, and some people, developers mostly, might say regressive annexation policy 
in the state of Colorado or actually anywhere I've talked about, we demand parks, we demand affordable housing, we demand trails. So the growth that we're getting, the Virgin annexation is probably the main, main uh, example, that we've got a lot more benefits to this town uh, than um, other places. The affordable housing that's going to come through in the whole Virgin annexation is going to end up with over 50% deed-restricted housing in that entire lot. And I'd like to throw in one thing that I didn't mention earlier on global warming, climate change, the most important thing you can do, and this is according to Dr. John Hart when we had Dr. Hart and Senator Worth talking here for the Public Policy Forum, is for each family to have one less child. And that'll do more for global warming and climate change than anything else. Yeah, good luck with that, Deli. Uh, <laughs> Tracy, Tracy Smith, me too. Well, I believe we do need to control our growth. All of us need to control our growth. And we know how to do that. Just, you know, real small increments. I've traveled all over the state here um, shooting archery and doing that to all these small towns around here. And they have a lot more problems than we do because they don't have any organization or people like this. Montrose, Salida. I've talked to a lot of people and their problems are a lot worse. So I really think that we need as a team, and that includes the whole Gunnison Valley, and I talked about it in the Gunnison paper, how much do we want to grow over the next 10 years? When I moved here back in the day, everybody said that was good enough at 1979. Oh, we're big enough. No, it's you know, a bunch of hippies talking. You know, so I think we need to control our growth and really watch out. They're worrying about it all over the world right now, too. And you guys watch TV enough. Tourism is really troublesome in a lot of these beautiful places. You know, and I want the people to come in here. We need the jobs and all that. But we do need to control it. And we need to say no. Thanks. Thank you, Tracy. Okay, the mayor's candidates have spoken. Let's take another question from the audience. Hold on. I'll come over to you. Sometimes I got to run around the room here. It's all on the radio. So if we don't talk in the microphone, they can't hear us. This is what we call filler. You're listening to the Crested Butte Candidates Forum here on KBUT Hello. Community My name Radio. Is Caroline. I actually run uh, a business on Elk Avenue. I'm a manager of a company. I run a marijuana store, uh, which is here in town. And I would like to bring up the question of the influx of traffic on Bellevue. I, you know, the skate park is right there. There's lots of businesses. Everybody is, you know, moving cars in and out. But the fact of, you know, what could we possibly do to increase safety for children and for people of families of 10 plus Texans walking around trying to buy pot on this random street that we haven't really planned on? I'm kind of curious about what would be suggestions for that, especially with. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, Tracy, you want to, I see you over there. Speed bumps and things that we've used in the cities. You know, all these things, I've already seen all this. I'm from California. Traffic, school problems, crime, you know, and it's just sitting down and like speed bumps and very simple things, you know, 
you know, the law enforcement can't take care of parking, but we can hire people to do that within. Don't farm it out, you know, okay? Thank you, Tracy. Uh, Lisa Merck. Um, definitely traffic is an issue. I, I feel like speed bumps, what Tracy said, is a great idea, as well as um, enforcement, too, in our town for speeding down Elk Avenue. Um, there, was a, there was a car, uh, a police car, that was placed on Elk Avenue at one time, and it, it actually is quite a little deferment at times. Um, and then riding your bikes, encouraging people to take um, buses to, de to decrease the traffic up and down Elk Avenue and the other uh, streets that we live on. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Will Dujardin? Yeah, Will here, sorry. Um, kind of loud. <laughs> uh, to get back to your question, Caroline, about that specific area on Bellevue, um, I think we would need a lot of the business owners to come together uh, with town council to look at, you know, maybe even sidewalks over there, um, looking at dedicating, trying to find parking somewhere in the area so that we can encourage people to, to walk over there. Um, you know, maybe they can park their car nearby and then walk in that area. I mean, there's just so many. It is a real problem because there's, like, a lot of big trucks, you know, like the contractors drive through there. There are families who live there. There's kids at the skate park. Um, so I would, I would hope that we can come together and find some solutions that help create it safer for everybody and uh, deal with some of the parking overflow over there. Thank you, Will. Chris Haver. I like that uh, council recently has been uh, looking over the parking issue again. Um, the, they've been looking at it since 1980. They've got a great committee that put together a plan this year. Um, the reason why I'm talking about parking when I'm talking about traffic is because the whole point of the parking program is to get people walking, riding, taking the bus instead. We're an easy town to walk around in. Uh, you can walk from one side to the other in 15 minutes. So that's not the issue. The issue is getting all our visitors to change their mindset of having to drive everywhere. There's, you know, on the mountain, everybody walks down right past the bus to their car and drives downtown. So the idea is to get people out of their cars and using public transportation. And it's, it's the whole town affected. I live a block away from there and I see it all the time, but I also see it on every road uh, throughout town. It's growing. Thank you, Chris. Jackson Petito. Uh, I am. I was on the parking committee, and at least my goal in that was to get people out of their cars. Uh, this isn't so much a policy thing, and I don't know how it fits with the town sign, but I would love to see Welcome to Crested Butte, a park and walk paradise right there when you drive into town, big. And uh, I don't know, there's going to be a lot set up here about parking and traffic. That's my little thought that uh, didn't fly with Yerman, but we can still do it. Thank you, Jackson. Uh, first, uh, Richard Machamel. Yeah, I think uh, addressing the parking issue and getting people out of the cars is a big thing, getting them to walk. And, um, you know, so that's a big part of it. Uh, one thing that I would do is actually speak to law enforcement and see what their suggestions are and get it from the people who have to deal with, uh, you know, people walking down the street, accidents, other things like that. So whether it's you know, parking, uh, a parking lot somewhere around there or sidewalks or speed bumps, whatever it is, I would like to really defer to the professionals and to the law enforcement and get their input uh, to come up with a solution. Thank you, Richard. Uh, Kent Cowherd. Yes, Kent Cowherd here. Um, 
I also have an office in that area right, right around the corner from Bellevue. I've seen this traffic increase over the last couple of years since this uh, marijuana uh, use has been in that, in that area. It's a commercial zone. There's already a lot of businesses there uh, other than uh, the businesses and talk about now. Uh, automobile repair, uh, paint stores, Dragon Sheet Metal. Uh, there's, it's, it's, there's a conflict going on over there and I recognize it being a business owner over there. Uh, there already is a lot of pedestrians walking in there. There's a lot of traffic already with the businesses. I look forward to hearing from the business owners themselves and hopefully the council can uh, generate a solution for this or, or uh, other uh, possible solutions. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Kent. Yep. Uh, Candace? Yeah. Okay. Candace, go for it. All right. Candace Bradley. And I used to have my tattoo shop um, right off of Belle Bellevue. And I think that the thing that really uh, affected my business the most was the parking of semi-trucks on or blocking most of the street. Um, and that would be up up to 30 minutes at a time. Uh, if we could find a way to develop a better uh, traffic plan for those larger vehicles, I think that would be ideal. As well as I feel um, that maybe some more signage or lighting would be appropriate over there, especially when it gets dark. It's so hard to see um, those kids that are heading home from the skate park and you're at that weird stop sign. Um, so I think that might be something that we could look into. Thank you, Candace. Squirrel uh, Ryan, please. Uh, Kyle Ryan here. Um, I used to live over uh, above the hot tub shop there on 4th and Bellevue, so I'm very familiar with the traffic in that neighborhood. Um, I think as we talk about parking and how important it is to get people out of the cars, I think it's also important to note that there's no place for people to park or walk in this town. There are no sidewalks. They're left walking around semi-trucks that are parked and unloading goods. They're walking in the middle of the road because there's no other place for them to be. Um, that's a very commercial district of town. It's also very busy in the uh, beginning and end of the day with people commuting in, coming in from the south. Uh, instead of driving through the stop signs and coming up Elk, uh, you can avoid two extra stops if you make your way through that section of town. So I think a traffic study might be necessary, as well as communication with uh, business owners, as well as our marshal service, to come up with an effective uh, enforcement plan in that neighborhood. Thank you, Squirrel. I th up, Chris Ladulis. I'm just going to add one last thing. Add on. That I am thrilled to live in a town where one of the big issues that our council faces is how to maintain our 15 mile per hour speed limit. And while it is a very big issue, um, it is a wonderful thing that these are the things that we have to consider. Not to say it is not important, um, but that we are all very involved. And that's why we've done traffic studies. We have a parking committee, and we are looking at ways and in incremental steps to solve for this, whether it's speed bumps, better ways to get people out of their cars, into their bikes, um, and one of the things that you'll find as we talk about parking over the next year, one of the reasons Bellevue moves faster is because it's a wider street. And one of the reasons that people move more slowly on Elk Avenue is all that friction. And the next time you're complaining about all the bikes in your way, 
and the cars on both sides as you're trying to make your way down the street, just be thankful that that friction is there because otherwise people might be moving a lot faster. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Jim Schmidt. Jim, Jim Schmidt here. Um, the Bellevue parking is kind of a thing of unintended consequences. Uh, we, you know, when we approved the uh, marijuana stores, the big push was to push it over to Bellevue and off of Elk Avenue uh, for different reasons completely than what we're talking about now. But our, definitely our traffic and parking problem often seems like a big balloon that if you, pu you can push in one place and it pops out the other or a game of whack-a-mole or whatever. And um, that's one of my big concerns about any parking plan. We have to really look where any parking gets shifted to, where cars get shifted to if we close down one area, um, where are the cars going to end up? Um, I, again, on Bellevue, I would say we didn't really talk about traffic uh, too much other than to restrict the uh, hours of the day over there. Uh, so. Obviously, we should have, and uh, we didn't know how, I guess, how popular it was going to be. Tracy Smith? Yeah, parking is an amenity to all the people. They enjoy free parking, okay? We can't charge for parking. We've got to work on the downtown parking and solve that problem that we have a two-hour parking limit, but we don't enforce it. But the four-way is like the place where we don't want to charge parking because that's, that's, that's an amenity to the CV South people or tourists. They go, oh, we can just come into town and park at the four-way and get on the bus. So pay parking is not the way to do it. Downtown, we have to start with something there. I would like to see downtown closed to parking, but there's not a lot of people interested in that. And I think we should do it temporarily, once in a while try closing downtown, you know. Not on a festival day, on just a, a locals day. Just close downtown for the people only to walk around, not for a festival. Thank you, Tracy. Paul? Uh, everybody's got some great ideas. Um, one of the ideas that came up in the past is when you would park and choose to park in Crested Butte at one of our parking places, uh, one of, the, one of the ones I think is the hardest to sell is sometimes a school parking lot because it's the farthest out of the way, is to give people a little pass and say, hey, I walked or I biked in Crested Butte, and they get a discount at your, at your shop. And maybe that could uh, solve a little bit of con congestion or maybe uh, cause people to join a team, you know, and make an effort. Thank you, Paul. I think we've heard from everybody on this matter, so let's go on to another question. Uh, right behind you, Chad. I'm Molly Murphy. Um, there's frequent commentary from the Council for the desire for more public participation in the public process. Yet, as a year-round multiple job holding local, I know the process for engagement can often feel unwelcoming and difficult to track even if you're engaged and proactive. What do you feel town staff and council can do to make this process more accessible and to actually encourage more participation from the inside? 
Thank you, Molly. Chris Haver. When I was looking at running for town council, I was looking at what I would do different. And that was one of the main things. As a, a business owner and a family guy, I didn't have a whole lot of time to always be on top of things. That's where I came up with the idea of the website, CrestedButteLife.com. The uh, point of it is, is that I will, as a, as a council member, be putting up what the issues are, get people to write in to ask questions, you know, give me ideas, bring these up before council, but also post them on the website so we can create a discussion there. And also so that you get good information instead of a lot of misinformation that gets comes out word of mouth as it gets spread around town. Then there's also, I've done a uh, part on there that's a subscription-based uh, program where you can put your uh, email address in, and as issues come up, I'll actually be shooting you questions asking, what do you think about this, or what's your input? And if you want to add, please do, because we want all your thoughts. We want this to be easy. We want you to be part of this program, as part of this town's decision making as we move forward. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Okay, who else? Uh, geez, I got a whole bunch of them. Let's try Will. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Will Dujardin here. Uh, thanks, Molly, for your question. Um, you know, when I started going to town council meetings, um, I definitely, you know, there's a lot of ways that people can use existing uh, methods to, to get their voice heard, you know, whether you're emailing personal uh, council members or, or town staff and stuff like that. I, I don't think it would be a bad idea to increase those ways that people can communicate with the council, you know, looking at uh, social media platforms. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people communicate on a Facebook group called the Crested Butte Bitch and Moan. And, um, that's like a really hilarious thing to read if you're ever bored, but also you can use that as an example of uh, something that town uh, staff and town council people should be reading, you know, regularly, uh, just because it does give you a little feel for the pulse. And I hope that we can uh, increase, you know, encourage people to always show up to town council meetings to get their voice heard. I think that's the best way to is to show up and say something, but also just. Uh, you know, Chris's idea with a website, using electronic communication to get these ideas through is going to be pretty easy going forward. Thank you, Will. Uh, Kent Cowherd. Yes, Kent Cowherd here. Uh, I think it's important that the, uh, that the council people, persons, remain uh, available to the, to the town to, uh, to offer and communicate what is going on with our town. Uh, we can't just hold ourselves up inside and, and not be out. We have to be approachable. Um, we have to be we have to get in, informed from the public so it's a two-way street uh, so we, we uh, represent the town and put 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 out the uh, information that we're going through but it's also important to uh, be available and uh, encourage participation with our staff as well thank you thank you Kent who squirrel Kyle Squirrel Ryan here. Um, part of why uh, I am running is uh, some of the outreach that I've had from town council members. 
um, encouraging me to become involved in town council this year. Um, it has been a real eye-opening experience um, and one that uh, I, I'm sitting up here, so it's obviously been a good one. Um, part of what I think we can do to increase our outreach is um, our information packets that we receive every Friday before our town council meeting. Um, last week, 194 pages. Um, spent all weekend reading it. I think it's important reading. I think it's something that every townsperson can, should be reading and looking at, but certainly aren't. Um, if there was a way that we could possibly make that a Cliff Notes version, um, something, something to uh, reduce the legalese out of every lease agreement that we have to read, um, to uh, reduce the budget down to um, uh, at least some highlight pages and get those up to our citizenry so that they can uh, process it. Um, also, I have uh, established a mailing list and an email address, councilmankyle at gmail.com. Please feel free to call me or email me with any questions that you might have that either I didn't give a satisfactory answer to tonight or something that uh, didn't get asked tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you, Squirrel. Lisa Merck. Um, just over the past two years, I've seen really um, how the process works with email and um, Paul answering emails um, countlessly, um, meeting with different people for hours at a time, involving the public. Um, our town has a really great website that you can pull up the agenda um, before the meetings. You can also read all the minutes that they've posted that they've worked really hard um, to put together. Um, and I just think staying involved, emailing your council, stopping them on the street when you see them. Um, we're running for council because we want to be here. We want to help the community and serve. So I think reaching out and staying involved and also coming to um, the town council meetings and giving your public input. There's always a slot for public input at every council meeting. So I encourage everybody to attend a meeting. Even if you haven't attended one, it's a, it's a real eye-opener. I can attest to that. <laughs> Paul, Merck? Um, well, I agree. Uh, a squirrel there had some good points. Uh, I, I do believe on our website it would be helpful to have bullet points or red flag issues. Things that are going on currently and are coming up in the next month, the agenda can be a little daunting and looking at resolutions and whatnot. Okay, this is what we're talking about. It has been posted. And, and you need to pay attention, and you need to stay involved. You know, along with that, I think it is okay for the uh, council itself, the mayors, and the, the senior staff and the staff of Crested Butte to undergo PR training so that we can communicate effectively back, and I think that's money well spent. Thank you, Paul. Chris Ledoulis. It's great to get that question from Molly, one of our most engaged citizens and frequent visitors to town council meetings. Um, but engagement is a two-way street, and I believe that the council and the town could do a little more in provoking the conversation. And the most important thing we can do is actually set our priorities, make our plan known well in advance. Sometimes our council meetings and agendas are a random walk through the issues of the town. Often the things that we just hear about on the street that 
suddenly people have their hair on fire about. One of the most frustrating things about the Brush Creek process is that it wasn't until the public got all upset about the county process that the town got fully engaged. And I think that if we do a better job of setting our strategic plan forward, making our agendas reflect that on a weekly basis so everybody knows what the important issues are, then we're going to get the public more involved. Two, thing, two committees that formed in the last year that did outstanding work with a short-term rental committee last year, the parking committee this summer, where members of the public who haven't been to meetings are fully engaged. I'd like to see more of that on a regular basis. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Richard Machamel. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of opportunity here for the town and for the uh, council members to get everybody else a lot more involved. And that's one of the things I really want to focus on as well. Um, I opened up a Facebook uh, account for, for myself running for town council. And I've been posting things on there. I follow a lot of the CB news feed. I've been going to the town council meetings. And it takes a lot of effort for the public to get involved. And if you're not involved and you're not taking that effort, you're going to miss a lot of stuff that's going on. I've been sitting on these meetings and amazed how many different topics they hit within a two to three hour time span. And uh, it's just a lot to keep up with. So I think engaging the public in social media, Facebook, is just super easy for somebody to be sitting on the couch, laying in bed, doing whatever, flipping through there and seeing you know, uh, what's going on, what's the latest happening, and having those people uh, be engaged. And, um, you know, with, with the stuff that I've posted on my Facebook account, I've seen people respond, I've been reading their comments, other people engage each other. I think it's a good way to do it, as long as it's obviously, uh, you know, calm. But, but anyways, yeah, so I think that's a good way to go. Thank you very much, Richard. Jackson Petito? I think that it really, it takes three parties, it takes the town, which is us up here, the council, and the staff. It also takes the media, and then it takes an engaged public. Um, on the website, the town's website right now, you have all of the sitting council members' emails and phone numbers. Please use them. Uh, know that we all get forwarded every email that you send to each of us before the meeting, hopefully. Uh, know that the packet comes out to us Thursday afternoon, sometimes Friday afternoon, so if you want something in the packet and in the public record, give the town staff a break and don't send it in Sunday night. Uh, sometimes we don't reply out of hesitance, at least as personally, out of hesitance to give a personal answer when a citizen's seeking an official answer. Um, and then I would encourage everybody to look at the legal section in the back of the paper. I know it's a slog and they're terrible to read, but that's how we provide public notice. Uh, as for an idea of how we could improve, this just came to me while I was sitting up here, maybe people could subscribe to notices about specific things. For example, these are things that have come up, alleys, parks, annexation. Instead of saying, well, the council packet's out, say the council packet's out, and this one's got some alley stuff in it. So if you're an alley person, look at it. Uh, and then maybe get some of those sections added by public request. Thank you, Um, long time ago, we had a meeting about uh, uh, equal rights in town, and I started the meeting off by quoting uh, Voltaire, I think it was, saying that I might not agree with what you say, but I will defend to death your right to say it. But I also said I won't defend to death your right to go on and on. I think it's uh, most important for uh, 
the mayor has a lot of control at council meetings, and something that has bothered me more over the years is I've seen various mayors cut off people. Drives me crazy. Um, I've been accused of letting people go on perhaps too long, but I think it's very important that if anybody went out of their way and came to a council meeting and felt they had something to say, that we give them a, a, the opportunity to say it. I promise, uh, if I'm elected mayor, that I will do that. Thank you, Kelly. Casey? Right here. Molly, we talked about the alleys recently in front of Mountain Earth, didn't we? And so you told me about the trees and the argument. And so what I did is I went right over there and checked it out for you. You know, I can't, I don't have any official authority. But as mayor, I'm hands-on. I went over there and checked out how they cut those trees down, and they upset you. And I'm very sorry for that. And that, that's about it, really. It's like the mayor needs to go to each people's house if they get a call. This, I don't do Facebook. I can, but I don't. So I think hands-on, when you get a call... Just go over to someone's house and say hi, or have a cup of coffee, because that's how we've always done it here. And when people complain, you know, it's good when you get them just one-on-one, -on -one and you can be, you know, off somewhere on a bike ride or skiing, and then they feel their, you know, just be free with their words. Jiggle my wire. Jiggle the wire. Jiggle, jiggle. Ooh, it worked. Sometimes you gotta jiggle the wire. How much do I have to jiggle the wire? Okay, who wants to speak to this? Uh, Candace. Candace Bradley here. Um, I think that technology is a great way to stay in contact. Um, at the end of the day, I think um, a lot of it comes down to important issues, issues that really um, ignite you and, and connect you to the community. Um, personal interaction is key. It's what makes Crested Butte different, just as Tracy said. Um, and I think those are two things that everybody can kind of connect with, whether or not they want to embrace technology or, you know, they're just walking down the street and they're like, oh, what about this? I think it's a great way to connect. Thank you, Candace. Who else wants to speak to it? Okay, if, not, if no one does, then let's go to another question. Next question's coming from Audrey. I'm Audrey Anderson. I've lived here almost 20 years. I hope to be considered a, a local, not a yokel, <laughs> soon. Uh, I am concerned about the over-marketing of our home in this valley, it seems to me that about since whatever, we are inundated with visitors and visitors and visitors and visitors to the extent that we can hardly breathe in the summer. And my question to each of you, and what I would like is a show of hands or a stand up of people who are willing to stop voting to spending money on marketing so that we can slow down for a while, 
please, who, who? Okay, for those on the radio, I see f uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hands up out of what, 12 people, something like that? We should probably say who they are for the people on the radio. Okay, keep your hands up. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Squirrel Ryan, Richard Mockamel, Candace Bradley, Kent Coward, Jackson Petito, Will Dujardin, uh, Tracy Smith, and uh, Jim Schmidt have their hands up in response to your question, Audrey. Which leaves, what, Chris Haver and some other folks who want to speak to it? Is that what I hear? I'd be happy to explain my answer. When you okay, uh, let me get Chris first, then Chris, uh, uh, Chris Haver first, then I'll go to you, Chris Ledoulas. The only reason I was not raising my hand is that I think we need to be marketing where we need to be marketing and when. Um, marketing our backcountry for camping and all that stuff in the middle of the summer, not helpful. Not even helpful for town, I don't really believe. I don't think these uh, people are coming into town all that much, but it is causing a lot of issues in the backcountry. Uh, marketing during the winter, we still kind of need. Um, I would like to see us start as a master plan, this to be part of it. How do we market for sustainable tourism without blowing up our town? Um, and, and marketing to the right people that will affect our economy. And, and also working with the entire county, I like that there is a, let's see here, it's a sustainable tourism and outdoor recreation committee that's been started or being started. And uh, I am very interested in seeing how that goes forth as a county that we control this. Because if we just stop town, what about the mountain? What about the county? It, we got to work together on this. Thank you, Chris Haver. Um, Chris Ledoulas, please. Yeah, I didn't raise my hand, Audrey but I feel your pain. I mean, we have a tourist-oriented business, and our restaurant is very busy in July. And there are many nights we would happily trade half of our business in July for business in September or May or June. And so we recognize that's a problem. We can have too much of a good thing. But like all things uh, that the council faces, it's never that simple. And you can't always use a black and white answer. But what's important is that we understand why things are occurring, what the issues are, the implications of our actions, and know that the problem you're experiencing because of too much impact of positive marketing might uh, create, if we go the other way, another set of problems from too little marketing that we didn't necessarily experience five, eight years ago. Will Dujardin. You yeah, had your thanks. hand up, right? Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, thanks, Audrey, for the question. Um, I raised my hand uh, because, you know, town itself doesn't need to market, um, I, market itself. But uh, obviously, I have, I have a lot of friends, you know, who, who work for the resort, work for the TA, you know, and, and you know, make their livelihood off of marketing this place. And um, so we kind of need to look at how these different entities do that. And, and as town council, we need to influence that positively so we don't feel overrun in July as much. But I, I definitely sympathize with um, Haver and Ledoulas here because, you know, there's a lot of business owners who would love to see a little more business in June and September. So we can't shut the door on those opportunities, but um, I don't think town itself does not need to 
be putting any money towards marketing. Other people do plenty of that. Candice Bradley. Will said exactly what I was thinking in that same uh, answer to your question. Uh, I don't think that town has to fund any tourism efforts uh, off-season or on-season. There are other companies out there that are doing that for Crested Butte. Um, and I just think that us being aware of what's being put out there is something that we really need to look at. Being aware of what's being said about Crested Butte, um, what is being talked about, what places are being blown up. I think that's important. Thank you, Candace. Paul Merck, please. Well, I um, didn't raise my hand to that either because I believe the marketing can be a tool to kind of set the rules of town and to kind of go back with what Jeremy was saying of what kind of community are you visiting and what, how are you going to act when you come to, that, um, to this place. So I, I believe that the marketing maybe is not asking for masses to come here, but asking for like-minded people to come here and behave as such. Thank you, Paul. Who else wants to speak to it? Anybody? Lisa Merck. Um, I think we all need to remember one of the reasons that we are all here, too, is because this is a um, great vacation destination. Uh, we're also a really transient community, um, but we have a lot of families that live here. Seven of us on this panel here all own businesses in this community. Um, without people coming to the community. It's hard for businesses to thrive in uh, this community without our tourists as well. Um, I think we could market in a positive way. I don't think we need to market the backcountry and, and the Slate River with some of the things that we're doing right now, but I think we can promote growth in a good way. Thank you, Lisa. Richard Makamel, please. Yeah, I did raise my hand. I don't think the town of Crested Butte itself needs to spend money on marketing dollars. Um, like other people mentioned, CBMR, Mountain, Crested Butte, all do that. People are coming anyways. With Crested Butte, Crested Butte represents itself. It, uh, it, it almost markets itself. People come up here to ski but fall in love with the town, so they come back because of Crested Butte. So, I mean, it, it, the good and bad of it is they come back because they love it. And, um, and they tell their friends and family, and, and that's the reason we came, is uh, because we took a vacation and decided we wanted to move here. So, Thank you, Richard. Jim Schmidt. Uh, the town has spent very little on marketing over the years. The, there's a county um, tourism authority that does most of the marketing for the county. Uh, it's always been, ever since I've run for council, I've always said, and, and I think this has been a definition between Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte, that it's been my wish to make this town the best place for people to live. I think it becomes the best place for people to visit. Have we done too good of a job? Have we made it too nice and attracted uh, too many people here? Maybe it's like what, what Richard said. Uh, you know, we get a lot of people that come in and they like the place and they come back. Um, should we leave more, uh, you know, 64 Fords on blocks in front of houses and that to discourage them? I'm not sure if that's the way we want to go, but uh, we've made this an awfully nice town. Thank you, Deli. Jackson Petito. I'd just like to briefly weigh in on the idea that, you know, we're all here because 
of some marketing. I, I was just born here, and I think that some people, I mean, and I know we need marketing, it's the industry, it's what keeps us alive, but we also need to remember that this is a town where people live, and uh, market or not market accordingly. Thank you, Jackson. Kent Cowherd, please. Yes, just briefly, I, I've seen the growth happen in the last few years, and it's been kind of overwhelming, especially in July. Feels like the mall at Christmas time in July. Um, I'd like to see a little more sustainability with the growth that we've already achieved. It seems like we're kind of busting out the seams and overwhelmed, and uh, I think it's time to you know make our growth be sustainable. Thank you, Kent. Anyone else? Or let's go on to another question. More questions out there, please. Next question. Pardon me here, Berkshires. My name is Kim Walter, and this is for the mayoral candidates. Uh, several of you have mentioned in the paper a desire for long-term plan, whether it's five years or 10 years. Um, I don't think anybody can look out 10 years into the future. Uh, Long-term planning has been a big part of my career. Some have failed, some have succeeded. But I think it's a very important discipline, particularly for what Jim said, pay as you go, and also to set priorities. I'd like the mayoral candidates to tell me what their two or three, oh, limited to two or three top elements of a long-range plan that you would have to have in your plan. Who wants that one first? Boy, you better think about it. Chris Ledoulas. I've talked a lot about a plan, and I, I think plan beats no plan every time. And it's often the process you go through in setting it. You know, there are a lot of people who will say that, show me your budget, and I'll know what matters to you. I think the plan defines where we're going. And it's just as important what the plan says as your will to execute it and hold yourself to it. So if I were to think of the elements of a plan, I'd first think about uh, making it attainable, making ourselves accountable for reaching it, and then I would figure out how to engage in the public or all uh, resources to figure out what should be in it. And no doubt in the town of Crested Butte, affordable housing would be a very top issue. Um, but most important, preserving our community. We all chose to live here. People come and choose to visit here. And what will keep us here is if our community is preserved. Thank you, Chris Ladoulas. Tracy Smith. The growth thing. Um, let me pass on that one. I got another thought. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> Jim Schmidt, please. Okay, Jim Schmidt again. Um, you know, we do have lots of plans. We have the energy action plan, we have a rec plan, we have a parking plan, we have a transportation plan, and zoning, of course, is a plan for the town. Um, I don't get quite as excited about spending a lot of money to get somebody in from the outside to tell us how to plan as, as other people do. Um, the other thing is I think plans need to be flexible. Uh, we found the reason that the Brush Creek parcel was talked about parking because we just finished a traffic plan. CBMR said they were going to have 600 skier days. A lot of focus on tr traffic and parking and where that was going to happen. Didn't happen. So like you say, there's some 
plans that are successful and some that are not successful because they aren't flexible enough. You asked specifically about three things that uh, we would have, I would say, uh, to make this town as energy efficient and have sustainability as much as possible. Affordable housing is the second thing. Um, and we do have a housing plan also, I forgot to mention that. Also, uh, we already have that in. And the last thing is how to maintain our quality of life. Hard, and that's the toughest thing. No. Thank you, Jim. Paul, Merck. All right, uh, you asked for three things. Uh, and I think uh, first and foremost, we, we, we have to look at health and public safety. And of course that you know, sticks to everything that we're doing, uh, our traffic patterns, our parking, um, the way we live here, um, the houses we live in, and, the, and, and how we influence what's going on in the county. Um, I agree with Jim on a few things. For sure, the energy action plan and um, using this small town to reflect what others should do in the world. And we've got a long way to go. We've always had the idea and we've done a lot of things uh, with, you know, when Bob was on, uh, Gillian, we really cleaned up the air and, and, and made this, uh, you know, a, a brighter place to drive into. Um, that was very helpful, but we need to keep going on it and uh, in our electric vehicles and whatnot. Um, a strategic plan that covers everything. Well, first, you know, yeah, you have to go with surveys and, and get you, the public, involved in that. So thank you. Thank you, Paul. Tracy, have you done your wool gathering over there? Yes, I have. It's more, I think it was about the same as just get the public involved with this in committees. Um, I've um, asked a lot of people in the community to help me because I don't know a lot about things, so I've asked Vinny Razignal and a lot of the senior people in town for information. And so I'm still learning about a lot of these programs and things, but I will go to the public and CB South people in the meetings and find out what they're talking about so I can get up to speed better. Thank you, Tracy. Another question out there. They're all over here. Here we go. Here, We're going to go down to John Hess right here. Sorry, I'm totally running you guys over here, but I have to. I'd like to ask the council candidates um, what they think about the proposed roundabout at the entrance to town. And I think I read in the paper this a uh, couple weeks ago that a couple hundred thousand dollars has been proposed to in the budget towards engineering this year. So. The real question then becomes, uh, do you think it, do you think it uh, promotes pedestrians? And are you going to continue putting money towards the uh, roundabout? Council candidates, who wants it? Can Cowherd, please. Yes. Uh, I'm not convinced the roundabout is the answer at the, begin at the entrance to our town. I have genuine, sincere concerns that it, it's not it won't work practically. Uh, when, I, when I see roundabouts working in other areas, they're linked together in groups so that there's not a stop sign uh, in front of the roundabout that backs up into the roundabout. So I think roundabouts work really well for cars. This town is not really about cars. This, this town is about pedestrians and bicycles. Um, so I'm, I'm cautious about uh, 
a roundabout as a solution to our uh, traffic problem at the entrance to town. Part of it has to do with the uh, school at the entrance to town. We're going to, the town has appropriated funds to build a turn lane. Imagine that, a turn lane coming into town that would turn into the school. I think that'll alleviate a lot of the problems at the, at the beginning of our uh, entrance to our town where the roundabout discussion is taking place. Thank you. Thank you, Kent. Uh, first, Richard Macomel. Yeah, so personally, I'm not a big fan of roundabouts. Um, you know, I understand for traffic, they are supposed to make everything flow. They're safer in case there's an accident. Um, and, but I don't know if that's really the right answer, you know, especially like Ken just talked about, there's another tra uh, stop sign, you know, uh, not too far from that. So what happens when that stop sign backs up? It's gonna back right into that, that uh, roundabout. So <clears throat> with the turnoff going into the school, I think that's gonna alleviate a lot of issues with morning time and evening time, you know, with uh, picking up kids from school. But I don't think that's really the, the right answer. Um, I think, you know, and for the dollars that that's gonna cost, uh, really when we have the biggest congestion is in the morning around 8.15 to 8.30 so, and then in the evening when, uh, or in the afternoon when kids are picked up from school. So, you know, I think just having somebody out there directing traffic would be, in my opinion, more efficient and co more cost effective. Thank you, Richard. Candace Bradley, please. So that roundabout would be right in front of my house, um, right in front of it. I don't have the greatest feeling about throwing a roundabout in my front yard. Um, but I think that it doesn't work because of the way that the roads are set up and how much pedestrian traffic is actually there. In the morning, if you stand and look out my window, you see kids lining up and waiting to cross. So everybody at that roundabout would still have to sit there and wait for all these children to cross and it doesn't make sense to put it there because it's just, you would have the same delay that you have now. The real uh, issue is everybody's driving their kids in, in separate cars. Everybody is you know, loading up their one kid to take them to elementary school in the family car. And that's not really serving anybody. Thank you, Candace. Jackson Petito. Uh, I'm just personally against roundabouts. They seem un-American to me. <laughs> uh, but also, seriously, I, I, every time I get in one, I don't feel safe driving. It's not, I don't know, maybe I'm just not used to them. I feel distracted, like I'm looking both ways, which way am I? I don't want to have one of those where people that feel like I feel driving through that right by where kids are walking to school. I think that's really dangerous. Uh, I get that the turnoff, from what I understand, it's not just the turning lane, but it's actual ramp turning off 135 down into the school property. That's gonna be great in the morning. I don't know, it's not gonna help at, you know, at three o'clock when they're picking the kids up, but maybe that's, we could spend the roundabout money on a crossing guard or somebody with white gloves directing traffic because I, don't, I just don't feel safe driving in a roundabout and I don't want a bunch of kids crossing the street to school when I'm driving like that. Uh, thanks, Jackson. Chris Haver, please. 
Yeah, I did start looking into this um, and seeing some of the plans and trying to understand it. I know it basically it comes down to either a light or a roundabout is the thinking, but I do not think we necessarily are there yet or even close to there. Uh, I think the ramp that goes down directly into the school uh, parking lot uh, looked like it looks like a good idea, uh, especially as, as people are trying to turn out. But the other thing I've also questioned is, uh, I know it, you come into town and it's 25 miles an hour, and I also know from turning out of school there that a lot of people are not going 25 miles an hour, and that's why you're not pulling out. Uh, but why not put in a school zone uh, where you have the flashing lights and you drop it to 15 in the mornings and the evenings when uh, the traffic is like that? There's nothing wrong with slowing traffic down through town. Uh, we have the 15 mile an hour speed limit, so uh, if we have it slowed down, it sure makes it easier to pull out into traffic. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Will Dujardin. Yeah, um, Will here. Jackson, uh, as a Frenchman, um, I'm just going to say that roundabouts aren't scary, and they're really easy to drive. But in this situation... Um, I don't think that we're going to have an effective roundabout unless we were to put one at the four-way and put one at Gothic, and clearly this town isn't ready for that. I definitely agree with the points that have been brought up so far. Um, so I, I, I don't think that the roundabout is the answer there, but I do think that it should be an option, and looking into it isn't a complete waste of money. Thanks, Will. First, Squirrel Ryan, then uh, Lisa. Um, I have to agree with a lot of the points that have been brought up right here. Um, I've taken a look at the plans. The ramp down into the school parking lot, I think, is going to help a lot with the, the drop-off and the pickup. But in terms of the actual exit from the lot, um, I'm a little concerned with. Um, the roundabout, to me, it's, uh, it's not a pedestrian-friendly. And if, as a council, we are... Um, so set on trying to enhance our pedestrian nature of town as well as our public transportation. I feel it's important to uh, look after the safety of the children as well as and how they get across um, the street at that intersection. Um, I feel that uh, the roundabout just speeds things up for cars and if you truly want to get people out of your car, out of the cars, the argument has been to make driving difficult. Um, to make parking difficult. And so uh, I see that, uh, you know, whether it's a, a stop sign or whether it's a, a pedestrian or a, um, a crosswalk crossing guard there at the beginning and ends of school, um, I think that there's other solutions and I don't think we are quite to roundabout stage yet. Thank you, Squirrel. Lisa Merck. Okay, I'm gonna have to uh, agree with Jackson. I uh, am terrified of driving on roundabouts as well. The first time I drove on one was uh, over in Vail. Anyways, um, I think it's just a lot of traffic and congestion in that area. I think we need to really encourage um, parents to put their children on the buses and um, encourage ride sharing from Crested Butte and from Mount Crested Butte and then our public transit as well. And I think that if we all encourage that, that we'd see less congestion there and um, I think we need to uh, just definitely study more on it and, and be more informed about what the roundabout would um, cause at that intersection for, you know, the town as well as the school. 
children. Thank you, Lisa. I think that's everybody. Did everybody speak to your question, John? Okay, another question, please, from the audience. Next question is coming from back here from a former mayor. Alan Bernholtz, I want to thank uh, KBT for broadcasting over the uh, airwaves and Molly, maybe to answer your question, they could go ahead and broadcast the council meetings again over uh, KBT airways so that way everyone could be really be informed every single council meeting. Sure, that would be fun for, for everyone involved in the town, uh, in the world now. Um, I got a quick two-part question for you guys. Uh, it's been pretty easy, pretty, it's a lot of softballs for you guys, you know, hey, what do you think the problems are? What are the issues? That's, that's all good, you know, and it sounds like housing maybe is, is a pretty common denominator for everyone, and I just want to ask, my two-part question is, what specifically are you going to do to solve or to start trying to solve your hot-button issue? It doesn't have to be housing, but whatever you really are concerned about that really made you want to sit on this or put your name into the hat, what are you going to do specifically to try to affect that change or to help that um, concern that you have? And secondly, if there was no concern, just so I, I want to get a look into your guys' brains. And if there was no problems in our town and we had just nothing to worry about at all, what would, is the one thing that you can think of that you would add to be creative to our town that would really add value to our uh, community values? Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Okay, there's a, is that a softball question you said or a hardball question? Who wants it? Well, there's a lot. <laughs> Come on, everybody has to have one hot button hoo-ha. Okay, I saw Paul's hand first. Thanks, Alan, for the question. Um, I've addressed this over and over. Uh, you know, the hot, hot topic is not a hot topic, but it, it, it is a very pertinent uh, problem that we've had and we've, we've had since we got here is trying to understand the problem. And Molly brought it up um, pretty heavily is, we have a miscommunication between how we're picking up our information, how we're interpreting our information, and how we're moving forward on our information. And if there's some way, like I said, I think uh, the staff and the council need to be educated as quickly as possible uh, on how to you know, be good PRs and good stewards to their constituents. And, we need to let everybody know, hey, man, this is a hot topic. This is what's going on right now. It might not be your hot topic, but a cheat sheet on our website to say this is what we're dealing with right now, and you need to get on it right now. Don't wait six months. Don't wait till, oh, my gosh, they passed that already? Um, but, but also, you, you have a motion to reconsider everything that's been done. So there's your solution sometimes is you have to come back to the council and go, this isn't working. What can we do next? Thank you, Paul. Chris Haver. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is kind of part of the reason why I started uh, to run. Uh, I have, uh, for part A, the question, I have started uh, crestibutelife.com for this reason, to get people involved in an easy way. My goal is to help bring clarity to issues, to give locals an easy but strong proactive voice, and to build a community-driven plan. And using the website is what I'm hoping to bring into council uh, so that you have a voice there and you know what's going on. Uh, second thing, in a perfect world, I was a wilderness leadership uh, instructor. 
I loved it. I thought, or I, I do think every kid should have that as part of their education, and it blows my mind that we live in a community surrounded by wilderness with very little chances for our kids to actually go camping with a group in the woods. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Who, okay, Will Dujardin? Thanks, Dennis. Uh, thanks, Alan, for the good question. Um, you know, my hot button issue is housing, as we've talked about. Um, so how can the town incentivize homeowners to rent to locals? Um, you know, I don't know if we can work with, uh, you know, using a tax break there, or if we can even use, maybe think about using an affordable, affordable housing fund to help uh, compensate some homeowners uh, for the loss in profit that they would have um, between a short-term rental and a long-term rental. Um, I, you know, one of the ideas also is just maybe a short-term rental lottery, put all the people who want to short-term rent their house and that, under that unlimited license, uh, look at, you know, forcing some of those people to rent to locals if they don't get one of those uh, short-term rental licenses for two years or something. Uh, we need to make sure we incorporate affordable housing in all of our annex options. We need to just keep looking for possible chances to, to build housing. I think, I think the stuff off the Cypress um, annex is, should definitely be focused on affordable housing. Um, I would personally raise the short-term rental tax that is going to be on the ballot to maybe even 10%. And uh, then I would also try to figure out how to encourage local businesses to raise their wages so that people can pay their rising rent costs. Um, secondary question. Is def I would let the Venetoc fire rage as big as possible, and then um, maybe no cars on Elk Avenue. Just Thank ideally. you, Will. Uh, squirrel? Thanks for the question, Alan. Um, my main hot-button topic is trying to get my community, my constituents, um, my friends and family to be more involved in in their own government. Um, I feel it's uh, that the digital uh, outreach is exceptionally important in this respect, um, as well as having regular community meetings with your constituency uh, that aren't necessarily part of the town council meeting, things that happen outside of the chambers, um, ways to generate new and different ideas that aren't necessarily uh, tied into uh, a venue that has a gavel involved. Um, I think that it's uh, that where the rubber meets the road is your councilman being seen out on the street, being in town, being able to pull them aside and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that they should always have time as uh, as a councilman for you. Um, I'm here to make myself available. Um, my email address again is councilmankyle at gmail. Um, I'm happy to speak to anybody anytime about anything in town. Thank you, Squirrel. Jim Schmidt. Uh, the hot button issue is uh, affordable housing. Um, has been, probably will be, and it's the same issue in all the ski towns. Nobody is completely caught up to it. Everybody's trying to uh, uh, do the best they can. Um, I think we need to look at Paradise Park area and uh, uh, probably increase the density out there. You know, take single family lots and make them duplexes, duplexes, make them threeplexes. 
not huge amounts, but um, uh, we should do more stuff there. We have some property coming in uh, out of Cyprus, and we should uh, try to maximize uh, good affordable housing there. I, our, our emphasis for uh, uh, people to buy housing, I think, should continue, and we should encourage uh, our neighbors in the county in Mount Crest Butte and CBMR to uh, provide, they've always said they were a bit more interested in pro providing short-term rental housing. Um, and last thing for Alan's uh, idea to make things more wonderful would be to ban all cell phones in town. Doesn't sound like anybody wants to do that, but uh, anyhow. Candace Bradley. I think that housing, like everyone else, not everyone else, but some people are saying is the hot button issue and has been. Um, I believe with a cap on short-term rentals in the coming Sixth Street Station condo hotel, that an interesting thing is going to happen. You're gonna have availability to rent units at a lower rate than you would at most short-term rentals. And I think that's gonna drop down the price and make long-term rentals more, I guess, alluring to homeowners. It's, it's really gonna meet that demand of financial security. Um, I it would focus on community nonprofits like the Crested Butte Mountain Theater, which is the longest running community theater in the whole state of Colorado. Um, many of the nonprofits in town could always use some extra funding and help. Thank you, Candace. Uh, let's see, I had some, Tracy Smith. Hi, Alan. I haven't seen you for a while. Hope you're doing well. Senior housing. We've not even talked about seniors. Okay, how about some affordable housing for seniors? Cottages, courts, you know, in San Pedro where I'm from, they mix the yuppies and then they put the seniors in between and they do little courtyards and they're little, you know, 15 by 32 homes that I spoke of. In a perfect world, Alan, let's see what I was gonna say there, that we would have you back up here Thank you, Tracy. Uh, Richard Machamel. So, I mean, I think overall for me, it's not just one particular hot topic. It's sort of a combining all of them. Because if you fix one issue, we're going to have another issue arise because we just fixed that issue. And having a plan put together so we fix housing and we figure out where all this housing is going to go. How's that going to impact traffic? How's that going to impact the density and everything else? And so we have to focus on that next. And it seems like instead of just fixing one issue and then trying to put out another fire because another issue just arose because we fixed that issue, let's try to figure out how and, and try to foresee as much as possible how these issues are gonna correlate with each other and how we can you know, try to navigate this as smoothly as possible from beginning to end. So we have a finish line and we know what to expect and what adjustments we need to make along the way. And then as far as uh, you know, if everything else was fixed, I'd like to see a rec center for the kids to have indoor activities when they're, you know, tired of skiing or, you know, doing other stuff. So, there you go. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. Chris Ledoulis, then Kent Cowherd. 
Thank you, Ellen, for the question. A very specific question, so I'll try to give you really specific answers. Um, I do think that we need to, to create and follow a strategic plan on council for how we're going to do what we say. We say we want to protect our community, and how are we gonna do that if you walk into a council meeting or you get the packet that comes out and you really don't have context and we don't always know what's coming in front of us. And I think we need to do a better job of planning our three to five year horizon and translate that to every agenda that we have and hold ourselves accountable to making progress against those throughout the year so that you know what we're working on. You can tell us whether we're making progress and making the decisions that are making your community better and that we're not focused on distractions and things that veer us off course. For a specific idea, I'd say one that fits very well with our top priorities is, why don't we make an iconic tiny home community on a parcel that we have in town? Let's break all the rules. Let's make a PUD. Let's make it dense. Let's make them small. And maybe let's make it so you, if you register a car and you're not riding a bike around town, maybe you don't qualify. Thank you, Chris. Ken Cowherd, please. Yes, uh, I think affordable housing is our biggest uh, issue facing our town. Um, having affordable housing ownership opportunities for locals is I think our best way to enrich our locals to instill the community and represent our town to the visitors. I'd like to see more density in, um, in properties that the town already owns. Uh, specifically, uh, Avalanche Park right outside of town has been discussed as a campground. I'd like to see that discussed as a possible area for affordable housing. Um, there's also the, the uh, property adjacent to uh, Rainbow Park that's currently not built right now. Those are zoned for single family houses. I think we could you know, look at more density there. Uh, duplexes, threeplexes, like Jim mentioned. Uh, recently, uh, micro lots were approved. Maybe we turn that into a bunch of micro lots. Um, Additionally, the, uh, the tax question with the short-term rentals is important uh, for all of us. If we can uh, approve that, we can have dedicated funds towards this issue. Thank you. Thank you, Kent. Lisa Merck, please. So I agree that um, housing is a big topic. It's not my hot topic. It's one of them. But our um, backcountry etiquette is one of my um, biggest hot buttons right now, too. It's... We have so much waste and abuse in our backcountry um, camping sites. Um, just hearing from Dave Ox about how much waste and trash, furniture, um, human feces, everything that they're bringing out of the, the backcountry is, is really disheartening. So I feel like we really need to educate our community, our tourists, um, about how to use our backcountry, how to use our rivers. People are throwing things in the rivers that shouldn't be in there, um, where they can go to the bathrooms, uh, maybe putting porta potties at, you know, campsites and stuff like that, but just educating uh, the general and uh, specifically there. The other thing is, is I think that um, in an ideal place, it would be nice to create full time jobs for locals that want to live here and. Um, live here full-time where they don't have to rely just on summer and winter months. Thank you, Lisa. Jackson Petito. Uh, my hot-button issue is affordable housing. What 
I have done has been on the council that approved putting this ballot issue 2A on the ballot. I was also on the Gunnison Valley Housing Foundation that's working to push that ballot issue. What I would do is use those funds that are hopefully going to be raised when that's passed to maybe incentivize tax, like through tax breaks or even active subsidies, long-term rentals of the, these houses that sit empty 50 weeks a year um, and other long-term rentals and also affordable housing development geared towards a path to ownership. Uh, as for creatively, I think, as Lisa said, we need better paying jobs. We need to fix our internet infrastructure and maybe I would court smaller tech startups that are willing to come to town and train local employees. Uh, and I also love the idea of Elk Avenue as a pedestrian mall. Thank you, Jackson. Okay, we're gonna start wrapping it up here. Uh, we have one more question from Chad Rich, and he has his own microphone. Thanks for the opportunity, Dennis. This is Chad from KBUT. I've got a question for everyone. One, do you support the construction of a rec center? How are we gonna pay for it? Where is it gonna go? And does it fall in line with our community values? Paul Merck. Um, I think everybody knows that I uh, support a rec center in Crested Butte for many reasons. I think that it's uh, not just a place to go when you're not skiing, but it's a place for um, seniors to swim, uh, everybody to, uh, um, you know, drop your kids off and, and play for a while. I, I, I don't think it's all about... Um, people our age out in the backcountry playing. Um, we have to incorporate that as part of our school swimming program. And I think it would be really helpful um, to bring this community together to have a place for, uh, you know, after school programs. So, and how to pay for it, we have to put, um, we have to team up with uh, adaptive sports, uh, when you're warrior programs, uh, the PT programs, where you're coming in and, uh, you know, you're paying to use it, uh, even using insurance monies. And there's ways to make this happen. Most communities do it. Thank you, Paul. Tracy Smith? Yes. I don't think we have room in town for it, but I do have room up on the mountain. And I'm all for it, but put it up on the mountain where they have room. Thank you, Tracy. Will Dujardin? Yeah, Will here. Uh, good question, Chad. Um, I think where the Performing Arts Center on the mountain was slated to go would be a great spot for a rec center um, for this end of the valley. It would be great to have it in town, but I think it's more important to focus on open space for affordable housing or, um, you know, that, that kind of direction. Uh, as for paying for it, I, th I think a rec center could do a lot of great things. It could be, you know, mostly public, but also there would be pay-for services. Um, and, then, and then paying for the construction of it. Um, uh, hopefully we would figure out a, a funding solution for that. Thank you, Will. Uh, okay, first squirrel. Um, I would support uh, a rec center. Um, space in town is exceptionally tight and I don't think we have the square footage available for something of this size. Um, I agree with Will to say that the the spot of the, the former music center up on the mountain is an excellent place to put it. Um, in terms of does it fit into our community, I, I think it absolutely falls in line with our values. Um, in terms of how to pay for it, 
Um, I think that we can work with some outside groups as well as agencies, but I would recommend that we uh, take a slow and paced uh, way to get there. Um, if you look at uh, the rush that we had to, instead of having an indoor ice rink, we rushed and put a roof on, and now we're coming back and funneling millions of dollars to get the locker rooms that those players need and want to have at that facility. Um, while that's great that they can then get dressed and go use it, um, it's still not an enclosed rink. It's still, um, uh, it's still exposed. Nobody wants to go over there and watch a hockey game at night because you will freeze to death. Um, so I think that to have a long-term plan and to take the, the, the steps, the measured steps that it takes to get there um, is possible. I think that if we have vision and clearly communicate it to our constituencies, that uh, they will certainly understand and buy on and not feel that they need something tomorrow. Thank you, Squirrel. Chris Haver? When I first started thinking about a rec center here, I immediately started thinking of indoor skate parks, foam pits for ski jumping, uh, trampolines, some pretty awesome stuff we've seen elsewhere. Um, I would have to say, though, that this is something that has to be planned uh, and well thought out. If we built something like this and had a next uh, economic downturn, how do we cover the costs? Um, this is where I think it's important for us to start looking now and start thinking about it, even if we decide down the road it's not for us. But is there a place up on the mountain? Is there, there a place in the valley? Is there a place, you know, even the Brush Creek parcel? Something in which we set aside with the long-term goal of putting one in there when we know we can't afford it. Um, and in doing such, we can move towards doing something absolutely awesome for future generations kids here. Thank you, Chris. Lisa Merck, then Kent Cowherd. Um, I definitely feel like we can support a rec center in Crested Butte. Um, I feel like it falls in line with our community values. Um, there's a lot of kids, families, tourists, and seniors that would use the rec center swimming pool climbing walls, running areas, a place where people can get warm that don't like to ski. Um, and mo there's a lot of towns that do uh, subsidize rec centers, so I think that you know, if we had the town on board and our community members, I believe that it would be a great asset to our community. Um, it would prevent a lot of people driving down to Gunnison or um, you know, people go to rec centers in other communities when they're traveling, so I think it would be a, a perfect asset. Thank you, Lisa. Kent Cowherd. Yes, of course the idea of a community rec center fits with our values here in town. I think it would be a good idea. I think the challenge comes with how do we initially pay for it and then how do we continue to fund it once it's in place. There's a discussion about uh, the swimming pool aspect of, of a rec center costing an extreme amount of money that would be very difficult to, uh, to fund year to year. I think that's going to be the challenge of, of, of any project of this scale, um, and, that's, and that's where uh, the council needs to listen to what the input, input from the public and uh, challenge ourselves as to how we can uh, support such a facility. Thank you, Kent. Uh, Jim Schmidt. Um, many years ago, the uh, Gunnison Met Rec District was split into two sub-districts. 
uh, one the north, basically the same as our fire district, encompassing CV South in both towns. Um, it can tax. I think that's the only possible way you could raise money for a uh, rec center. Uh, as was just said, the problem with the rec center, they're ridiculously expensive. Uh, I just, uh, Mount CB did a, a feasibility study at a rec center up there, I believe in 2010, and I just uh, kind of uh, reviewed that uh, just the other day. They were, they were saying at that time, seven years ago, it was gonna cost at least $14 million if you're gonna put swimming into it, and that it was going to have a deficit of at least $550,000 a year in operations, just because we don't have that big of a population base here. And that was counting, getting a lot of tourists to come in. So there's no doubt, uh, I mean, I would love to have a recreation center uh, going back to C-Bar, which we had in, uh, I was chair of in 2004-2005. We looked at the recreation center, hockey rink, and uh, arts center for funding through this uh, 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 taxing district that is available up here. And we were probably a little bit ahead of the time there, but it's just, it really is a push to be say we could afford that up here. Not to say that I don't wouldn't want one, but sometimes you have to come down to economics. Thank you, Jim. Jackson Petito. I think uh, that big cities build rec centers because they're not lucky enough to live inside a rec center like we do. We have thousands of acres of rec center all around us. Uh, I would love to have a pool here. My kids love to swim. I don't mind driving down to Gunnison and doing my shopping every Saturday. And, you know, my daughter has swims lessons. It's okay. I would love to have a pool here, but I'd rather spend the money keeping families and kids living in town than building them a swimming pool. As for building one up on the mountain, there's three or four pools up on the mountain. Maybe we could spend a lot less money and pay the hotels to let kids go up and swim in those pools. Uh, I don't know, if we built one, I'd wanna see it in CB South where most of the kids live so that if, you're not, if you don't want kids driving, you know, you'd still be driving if we built it here. The end. Thank you, Jackson. Okay, uh, anyone else? Uh, Chris Ladulis. Yeah, I can give her a safer answer now that Jackson was the buzzkill. Everybody likes the idea of a rec center, but no one knows how to pay for it. Uh, the town of Mount Crested Butte has significant downtown development funds and chose not to pursue that path. We just passed a half percent sales tax that was fairly contentious because we can't afford to maintain the parks and rec facilities that we have today. We have to make a choice. Are we willing to live with what we have and appreciate it and enjoy it? Or are we gonna keep signing up for this never-ending want for more and more and more? The next thing you know, you're gonna build the rec center, that price tag's gonna follow, you're gonna to have to maintain it, and then we're all gonna be complaining about where are people gonna park and how are we going to maintain it? And it might, an indoor pool might be the least environmentally conscious thing that we could do as a town. So we're all here saying we don't have land and we wanna use it for affordable housing, but it would be great to have a swimming pool and we want to support and stop global warming. Um, so there are challenges. What I think we have to do is balance all these and just make sure that we're very careful before we start down that path. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Richard Macamel, and that'll be our last. Uh... Thank you. 
So I think having a rec center would be uh, fantastic for the community. Um, but, you know, how do you pay for it? Where do you put it? Uh, CB South makes, uh, makes sense. Uh, having an indoor pool, I don't know if it really makes uh, make or break deal for an indoor pool. But I think what's important is like, you know, indoor basketball courts and, and other indoor activities that you can't do outdoors, especially when it's snowing and kids love those kind of things. So I think it would really bring the community together. I think it'd be a place to have everybody hang out. It'd be a place to, for kids to have birthday parties that, you know, you can't really do much now um, within town. So um, it, it would give a different avenue. And uh, so I think it'd be fun. Thank you very much, Richard. All right, we're going to move on to closing statements. I got to say right off the top, it's really hard not to weigh in on or argue with some of you guys about half this stuff. But that's not what they pay me for. So, uh, okay, what is it? Hold on. You got to say it into the microphone. This is Elliot. See, it isn't quite as easy. He gets to. Hey, guys, Elliot uh, Stern. Um, this kind of ties into... Uh, 90% of the issues we've touched on, including user, you know, uh, citizen interaction. Um, I've heard master plan a couple times. Um, that's a great idea. In 2010, uh, the town of Crested Butte, the town council adopted a comprehensive parks and recreation master plan that addressed 80% of the questions of the answers, uh, questions, answers given tonight. Have you guys read that document? Are you guys going to keep this to a yes and no situation here? We'll start. Okay. Schmidt? Yes. And we follow part of it? Smith. And no, I haven't. Yes. Chris Ledoulas. Yes, I have. Paul Merck. Yes, and it's hard to follow. It is. It's expensive. I have not read that yet. This is Will. That would be Will. Lisa? No, I have not read it. Chris? Yes, I have. Jack's own. I have not. Kent? I've scanned it. (laughs) (laughs) I've read it, just not completely. Candace? I have not. And uh, Richard? No, I have not. Kyle? I have. Does Does that help you, Elliot? Thank you very much. Okay, closing uh, statements. We're going to start at this end this time. We're going to start with uh, uh, Kyle Squirrel Ryan. First of all, folks, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming tonight, hanging out for the entire event, um, whether it's uh, on KBUT and you're sitting at home on your nice comfy couch or whether you're here uh, in our tiered seating. Um, I feel that it's very important for us to continue to engage in uh, this type of public discourse um, and to constantly be fielding um, our constituents' questions. Um, So thank you for that. Um, If you decide that you want to get in touch with me with any questions that uh, you might have that weren't asked tonight or for any more details on my thoughts of any questions that were, please feel free to get in touch with me. My email address is councilmankyle at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook and uh, around town pretty much every day. Feel free to stop me and flag me down. I look forward to speaking with you. Have a great day. Thank you, Councilman Squirrel. Uh, Richard Macamel, please. Yeah, thanks for everybody for coming out. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we are able to live in a community like Crested Butte. We're facing a lot of tough decisions on a lot of topics. 
And I'm sure and confident we're gonna work through these, but there's always gonna to be tough topics coming up. So we have to have leaders who can direct us, who can help bring the community together. And we've got a lot of good people up here who I think can do that. And um, as far as me, I'm, I'm committed to the community. Um, I wanna to listen to the opinions and uh, be open-minded as much as possible. And I wanna maintain integrity and, and follow through on the things that I promise. Um, I'm ready for the challenge and I appreciate the consideration for town council. Thank you, Richard. Um, Candace Bradley is speaking next, thank you. All right, I'm far less nervous now, so hopefully this goes a little smoother. Um, so I'm not running on a specific agenda. I want to help you build the Crested Butte that you want. I wanna hear from every single one of you. I wanna learn and I wanna know as much as humanly possible. Um, I consider it my sacred duty to represent your voice on the town council, even if you feel you may not have the same opinion as your neighbors. I want to consider what you have to say. I, I want to listen to you, and I promise to be here for you. Thank you, Candace. Kent Cowherd, please. <clears throat> Thank you. This town is a special and unique place. We have a close-knit community where we take pride and ownership in our beautiful valley. This friendly local connection and how we share that connection to our visitors is part of what makes us special. I want to maintain this special community connection and unique character that separates us from other Colorado mountain towns while also being mindful of the challenges of making a living here. We have changed a lot since I moved here, moved here in 1990. I remember seeing the first person walking down Elk Avenue with a cell phone to the ear and thinking, the future is coming. I believe an important way to ensure the integrity and character of our town is to plan, promote, and build affordable housing opportunities for locals. I would like to see more density allowed in the town's zoning code to allow more units of affordable rental and ownership. There are great opportunities, challenges, and changes facing our town, and we need to prepare, evaluate, and choose our best path forward to ensure that our overall interests are balanced with what is also best for our business community. I believe preparation is the key to all success, and if elected, I will dedicate myself to working to find solutions and the best choices for the issues facing our town for the benefit of all of us. I offer myself to the people of Crested Butte as their voice on the town council to listen carefully to the ideas expressed by everyone and to help make the best choices for our whole town as we step forward into the future. Thank, Thank you. you, Kent. Jackson Petito, please. Like I said in my opening remarks, I'm going to speak frankly in the hopes that I'm elected by people who know where I stand or lose because I'm out of touch with what this town has become. We're big enough now. We get enough visitors now. Our property values are high enough now. Enough is enough. How much is enough? There are 12 people up here and I bet you get 14 different answers. People of goodwill can differ on that answer. The one you really have to watch out for is the one that says there's no such thing as enough. Maybe we don't have that voice on the council now and maybe we won't after this election, but that voice is always out there. It's the way of the world. Money talks. I talk pretty loud too. Let me talk for you on the council. Thank you. Thank you, Jackson Petito. Chris Haver, please. 
I just want to say thank you. I also want to thank the uh, town staff for answering uh, endless questions that I've been throwing at them. Um, all the past and present council and mayors that I've been talking to have been giving me advice. Uh, the people in county government and community organization individuals that have discussed the issues in the valley that are affecting Crested Butte and uh, our future. Uh, most of all, I would like to thank all of you here and not here tonight. Many of, uh, many of you have helped me ask questions and even shared stories about the old times of Crested Butte, which have meant a lot to me. You are what makes this community so incredible. Finally, I'd like to thank all the candidates running this year. I believe we have some great people offering service to our community. And if elected, it'll be an honor to work with you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Lisa Merck, please. I just wanted to thank everybody for coming and um, the questions as well. Appreciate everybody being here. Um, there's a lot of questions that I can't answer in depth. Uh, I plan on doing lots of research, educating myself, um, talking to um, the mayor, uh, the count, town council that's been here, um, just educating myself more and more. But um, I promise to represent the community to the best of my ability and have an open door policy. Um, I'd appreciate your vote on November 7th for me. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa Merck. Will Dujardin. Yeah, Will here for the last time. Um, I've been really grateful for all the questions from you guys because uh, it's, it's nice to personally know uh, almost everybody who's asked a question so far. Um, and you know, you guys are the reason why I'm doing this. And uh, I do want to shout out my little buddy Carson up there because uh, he's one of the Crested Butte Mountain Sports Team athletes. And uh, he is also another reason why I'm doing this. I'm really here for you know, what, what, what our kids are going to be dealing with in the next 15, 20, 25 years as we're all getting older and worried about our senior living. Um, you know, I, I'll definitely listen to my constituents and stand up for the working class here and uh, try to create as much affordable housing as possible. And I'll look into all the options to mitigate our town's effect on climate change, including joining the hundreds of cities and states around the country that have committed to the Paris Agreement. Um, and I'll do my best to preserve what we love about this town. And I hope to count on your vote coming up on November 7th or in your mailbox now. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Will Dujardin. Um, Mr. Paul Merck, please. Um, yeah, I'm Paul Merck, and I'm running for the mayor of Crested Butte. And I thank everybody for coming, and I appreciate your participation. I've seen it a lot. People email me quite often, and other council members. And there seems to be a very um, large sense of care for this community from everybody, come in many ways. And I, I, I hope to help. Um, people come together and, and get their voices heard. We're not all going to agree on any of these subjects, but we, uh, we can have a forum where we can get together and, and work toward um, making this town the way we want it to be. Um, if we do nothing, uh, a lot of times someone's going to do it for us. Um, I appreciate you being here, and I uh, thank you ahead of time for your vote on November 7th. Thank you. Thank you, Paul Merrick. Chris Ladulis, please. Yeah, thank you, KBUT, for broadcasting, Crested Butte News for sponsoring the event. Thank you, Dennis. Um, Crested Butte is changing. 
uh, but our values are not. The reason that we all chose to live here and will stay here is for the same as many of us, and that is that this is a community where we hold uh, what's important to the individual over, um, you know, we, here I am getting tripped up, all choked up here, um, but I, I really wanna do what's right for this community. I've been here for 20 years, and I wanna stay here, I wanna raise my son and watch him graduate from high school here, and I think that I share a lot of your concerns. I wanna make this a better place for our kids and for what we hold important. But I think the mayor holds a very unique position in translating what we all agree on into actions that we can live with and actually turning that into policy. And so I hope to become your mayor to help us get that job done. Thank you, Chris Ledoulas. Please hold your applause. Um, Tracy Smith, please. Thank you. Tracy Smith here again. And I'm 100% behind Jackson. I think he's really got it going on. We've talked about this before, about growth. Even though he has a little sarcasm there, it's just so funny to have that here. Um, yeah, we can't grow. We can't just keep growing, you know. I just left San Pedro 40 years ago, and now I'm looking it right in the face again. So I think we really need to watch our growth. Um, we all need jobs. Here's a little saying I have here. It's like, like a lot of you, I just want a great community, a job, a place to park, and a pad to live in. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Um, Jim Schmidt, please. Okay, first of all, I'd like to thank the 80 people that joined me in Sunevi and uh, Dave Ox and the rest of the crew out there yesterday cleaning up uh, Slate River, Washington Gulch, and Brush Creek. It was, uh, there's no, no debris or anything out there at all anymore. I swear we got it all. Uh, and then secondly, I'd like to urge you to vote yes on the 2A measure to fund housing. It's so important. I'm a radical centrist. I look at and understand all sides. I was given that title a long time ago by George Sibley, and I wear it proudly. But I do not compromise on issues of health, safety, and welfare. I will continue to make Crested Butte more energy efficient, more bicycle and pedestrian friendly, and simply even more a uh, greater place to live. I welcome the challenges we face. I will meet them with unmatched transparency, unequaled integrity, and the wisdom that only years of experience can bring. I have loved this town since the day I rolled in here, and I did roll in on my motorcycle 41 years ago, and I will approach the next two years with great energy and the devotion you have come to expect from me. Thank you for your consideration. I humbly ask for your vote. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Schmidt. Um, I want to remind everybody who's running for these positions, uh, a, a current council member told me that this is not a popularity contest. Uh, a current council member said that you guys will be walking into a, he said something a little different, but I'll call it a poop storm. Um, and I want to thank all members of the public, uh, our radio audience is included uh, for their attendance and their astute questions. I want to thank the Crested Butte News uh, and KBUT Radio for promulgating this message. And I want to thank the Center for the Arts for 
hosting us. Go out there and vote. Don't be part of that idiot stick 46%. Thank you very much.